Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to Phil's Recap and Review. This is going to be for Better Call Saul. Season 4, Episode 3, and what an apt title for this episode from my approximation. So let me just get right to the... Let me just get right to it. This is a fucking amazing episode of television. Maybe it felt a little bit more Breaking Bad than Better Call Saul, whatever the fuck that means, but it still felt great. I got some good shit. It made me feel good. But also makes me feel good as being like, hi everybody. Hi, welcome to my party. Welcome to the party, pal! Welcome to the show, everybody, and I'm not alone. I'll be joined tonight by some really awesome folks in the live motherfucking chat. So far we got Hendrix and we got Mike in there early. We'll have some other folks popping on in and out as the evening goes. Let me get rid of all this. Here I am. I'm catching up, bro. No worries. Almost there. Great to see you, Hendrix. Drum solo time. Hello, is it time for a drum solo? Is it time for me to hit this drum set? <laughs> drum solo time. Craziness. What a good episode of Better Call Saul. I feel like this episode is starting to get into the rhythm, as we were talking about last week, getting into the rhythm of what this season is. And it's been a lot of fun so far. Just three episodes in, I feel like I'm so deep in the weeds of the show. Everything Nacho so far in this episode was great graphic. Visually filmed one of the best episodes of television I've seen in a while, too. Just the way all the shots went together. Just little things, like there's this shot with the car burning in the desert where you see the sun shining through it. It's a, such a minor little thing, but little shit like that is like dropping little pieces of, uh, I was going to say something, say mar marijuana, marijuana sandwiches all across my house and making me happy. <laughs> what the fuck am I talking about? I don't know what I'm talking about. It is exciting. I'm excited to be here talking about this episode of Better Call Saul. And I'm excited that it's going to be a season five. I don't even have to worry about that. And I can just think about the storyline that they're trying to tell. I also listened for the very first time to the Better Call Saul podcast this season for these final first two episodes. It was really cool to hear them talk about this season and talk about what they know, what they don't know, and also make reference to some other shows. I love when television creators show cast a little shade. And they were, there was talks about, about certain decisions they could make one way or another, and they said, we don't do that sort of stuff. They call it schmuck bait. You know, leaving leaving crumbs out there. Well, the example was if Chuck, for a second, some writer in the room said, maybe Chuck should be alive. And they all, and everyone shouted him down and said, shame on you, man. Shame. That's schmuck bait. That's schmuck bait shit to be like, oh, we didn't see it. So it didn't happen. And it was just a little bit of a uh, little bit of a Walking Dead slight. I, I, or you could hear you could hear through the walls of the the shit talk that, that's going on. And I kind of like that shit. It's really awesome. And I like how aware they are of not wanting to do certain things. They don't necessarily take it a point to make fun of other people. They just say this is what we do and this is what we don't do. So I don't know. Just great episode. We get to see Gene. To me, I keep saying this, or I'll say this probably 10, 15,000 times throughout, from this point to the end of the episode, especially the more I drink, is that this episode, to me anyways, felt a lot more Breaking Bad-like. We got a lot more answers to Breaking Bad questions. Mike was very interesting in his small part in this episode. We got to see Saul having another guy, which was cool. But mainly with the Gus factor, which is becoming more of a big element in this season. Gus was introduced last season, and he had... 
good stuff to do, good business. But we're really getting to see a little bit more of the subtleties of the cartel family, of the interactions and all of that sort of stuff. And that's the really cool area and the openness that they had to explore. And it's fun shit to see that, to see the cousins in action again, to see Gus and where his affinity with with Gale started, or not Gene, uh, I'm, I meant Gale, I'm sorry, because uh, I, I have Gene in my notes too. That's what, one thing I wanted to mention about something else that they said in the fucking podcast when they were talking about the Gene shit. They were trying to, okay, and someone was asking a question of, okay, with the Gene stuff, where are you going to go with that? I mean, that's not a prequel. That's future Breaking Bad crap. Do you have a future in that? Do you know where you're going with that? And they legitimately said, and I believe them because this is how they work, no, we don't know. We absolutely don't know exactly what we want to do with Gene yet. We haven't figured it out. There's a few things on the wall that we have to see if things can naturally, if it makes sense. We have a couple of thoughts that they haven't committed to anything yet. And that's one of the things I definitely like about this show. Breaking Bad was the same way. You could think, oh, Breaking Bad is such a t- tight narrative. They knew He knew the end point. He knew he wanted to turn, as he says, uh, Mr. Chibs into Scarface. And he knew that, but He didn't know how to get there. And it was about being in the room with the writers and bitching and moaning and hating each other and and slapping butter on each other's bums and mixing it all in until you come up with the most natural, make sense sort of way for it to work. And to, to the point where you forget, you just think it's a big television baby that you all birthed together in a big orgy of television excitement. But this episode... In Better Call Saul in general, I think it's the same way. They know that the end point is him becoming Saul officially, even though I believe he's been Saul this whole time. And it's, we're seeing the developments. We're seeing, we're seeing the breaking Saul, breaking Saul of it all. But it led to the whole thing with Chuck and whether we have to take Chuck off this show. It made sense for the next step of what they were trying to do, which is bridging that line, is turning this universe that we lived in into the universe that we know in Breaking Bad. And also beyond that, sucking all the fucking color out of Jimmy's life and making him into this person, this sideways person that is beco- that he's becoming and that we're seeing very clearly in these first three episodes and seeing Kim and how that's going to affect the people that want to have emotional relationships with him once he fully puts that mask on and loses all of what Jimmy was in that heart. I mean, I've always messed around with the idea and it was also talked about on the on the Breaking Bad the Better Call Saul Insiders podcast, which is a much better podcast than mine. So if, you're, if you want to watch, listen to something about the show, check that out instead of listening to me. But with the Kim and Jimmy thing, not knowing where that ends exactly. Or when someone said, well, maybe Kim's still with Jimmy in the future. and We don't know. And Saul's just full of shit and he's actually married to Kim. I mean, I don't think that's a possibility. Vince Gilligan sort of just scoffed at that. Like, yeah, fuck that. Uh, no, they're breaking up. <laughs> they're breaking up. And sort of spelled out and Bob Odenkirk spelled out a little bit more what he thinks Saul Goodman's life is and where Jimmy's heading. It's... It's just so cool to, to 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 watch these situations. I never thought I'd like a prequel, but now it's very interesting to me to see how they're going to get those pieces and in, pieces into the right place. Because 
that, and again, that's ultimately what they did with Breaking Bad, which is probably why they thought they could do this fucking awesome. Why am I talking so much about Breaking Bad and not talking about Better Call Saul this episode? I can't help it. The lines are fucking interchanging. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. It makes me want to put this mask on and do the podcast like this because strange things are afoot at the Circle K, people. It is weirdness. Weird, weird, wild stuff, everybody. Let's go into the live, motherfucking... <laughs> Who's Gene? No, Gene is uh, Gale, I meant. I haven't seen the episode yet. I am going to binge it. I would welcome some schmuck bait if they, br if they brought Shane back in The Walking Dead. They need to bring back Bill Burr for Better Call Saul. We need the ginger from Beantown. I absolutely agree with that, Ahmed. I think we do need to get... Uh, Bill Burback. I would love to see him and Bob Odenkirk do some fucking business together. Dear Gail, I have a cabin. You can use it for some karaoke. We got we got Jason in the live motherfucking chat right now, which is always scary, but I like to be on Jason's side. So I always keep I always read his comments quickly. But just a really fun episode. The tempo of this season of Better Call Saul seems to be picked up a little bit. And it definitely has its slowdown moments, but I like the pacing now. I like how everything is, everything's progressed to this level. Very, it's like, you're progressing very nicely as a child, young man. This show is progressing very fucking nicely. And I like how it's developing. I just like, I love how it's developing. I, lo I love how this little, little, little boy is growing a mustache. He's got a little bulge in his pants. This fucking show has got a bulge in his pants, dude. It's fucking incredible. <laughs> That's how we do it in Boston. You got a bulge in your pants. It's fucking incredible, dudes. But I don't want to waste any more time because I really want to talk about this episode. So let's get into this. Enough foreplay. Enough foreplay, I said. Recap. Time for the recap now. <laughs> You're okay, Phil. You know not to swim in my mother's lake yet. Yeah, I know not to have sex in your mother's lake either and do and disrespect your mother like that. Like just fucking doing some sexual activity in a tent in, uh, in Jason's hometown. No, I'm not, I'm not that fucked in my head. I'm not that fucked, buddy. 5,000 bucks from the estate to an FU to Jimmy and everything to the firm. Exactly. And that was fuck you money. And that was an intense scene to watch it from Kim's perspective and see the emotional stuff. There's a couple things that happen with Kim in this episode. I'm not sure I'm 100% knowing what's going on. There's some scenes and some shit I think I know what's going on. I got a good handle on it. But some of the Kim stuff where... That's with Sandpiper, right? Or with her and her business and what she's checking out about the expansion and when she freaks out in that moment. I'm not sure I have a good handle on that. And I'd love to hear in the comment section after the fact or in the live chat people's perspective perspective on that stuff. Or if you want to call in 781-990-8509 and leave a voicemail or text, uh, let us know. And by us, I mean the multiple personalities in my head. <laughs> what are you talking about, Phil? I don't know what you're talking about, asshole. Shut up, guys. We're trying to do a show here. <laughs> I'm distracted. 
But I'm very curious to re-look at that and re-expand on that to try to pick that apart a little bit to know what the fuck was going on. I think I do understand why she was freaking out when Jimmy was reading that letter. Yes, it was some emotional stuff, and it was the first time Chuck was really showing heart to Jimmy, and she could have been getting a feel for that. But I also think part of it is her dying inside and having an emotional reaction with how cold and stoic Saul is reading it. He's reading it like a third grader reading an assignment in the middle of school. Oh, what a piece of work. They they don't probably don't have third graders read Hamlet, but whatever. <laughs> you get my point. Oh, what a piece of work is man. How noble in reason. End of paragraph. New sentence. How infinite in wisdom. Wisdom. How smelly like a taint. New paragraph. And reading it like that and this deep emotional shit and Kim is just feeling it and reflecting off an empty place. And when you see someone turn off like that, that you care about or you have a heart filled relationship with, especially when you knew one of the things that probably attracted to her, attracted her to Jimmy on some level was his affection or the way he took care of his brother, the way he was committed to, to him and to see how, not easily, I wasn't going to say easily, but to see when that switch went off and when Jimmy just said no fucking more and he's using the Saul guys or that tactic that he has that he's able to touch into to close himself off and just keep moving and not worry about things. And all of that, all of that ability to do that, she's feeling for him. She The, the emotion's still there. The emotion's flying around the fucking room and no one can capture it. Where the fuck is that emotion? And it's hitting her right in the feels, right deep beneath the boobs, above the stomach, right underneath in those fucking feels. She's got that. Oh, she's like, ooh, oh, God. And then you get that feel. Oh, it's coming over. It's ah, splash, splash city on your face. Well, that sounds like something else. But whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean, dirty-minded people. I know what you're thinking. Sick fuck. Uh, you're the sick fuck. I know I am, weird voice that makes no sense. Yeah, you are. Other strange voice that I don't even want to try to explain. Jason Voorhees would try to call in, but it would just be silent. You'd just hear some... We, we all... We, let's simulate Jason's call. Don't fuck with my mother. Don't fuck with my mother, asshole. Uh, Kim may be seeing crashing futures. No place for Jimmy in the big expansion. Oh, okay. She must. She might be seeing cashing in in her future and how big she's going to be. That she's going to have to move on and she can't. And ultimately, will have to have a much bigger life ahead of her. And she's sort of having a freak out about that because she, some part of her wanted to cut down, but she also can't turn turn down all this big money. Very interesting take, K. Rich, that I might have hacked to bits and gone on my own little rant about. But I like where your head is going. Jimmy gives no fucks at all. Kim felt bad because of what she said to Howard. Oh, interesting thought, Iconic, that ultimately all of this, like, what is this going to be? Just like a big fuck you to Jimmy, one last fuck you from the death, and from the death, from the death. I can't talk tonight. From the grave, one big last fuck you from the grave. It's really tough when you can't talk and ultimately what you're doing is live streams or podcasts. It's a difficult parallel to walk, to walk when you can't talk and you have to talk. It's, it's silly. Do I think that Nacho will die in the next episode or sometime this season? No, Skywalker. I do think Nacho will survive the season, but I don't think he'll survive Better Call Saul. I think he'll probably be a late 
a late inning pull. He'll be he'll be out in next season, which I think is going to be the last season. I still believe, and I could be completely off base, that somehow he's our connection to Jesse. But I don't. It's the Ignacio thing, and my buddy Ignacio worked with Saul. Like blah 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 blah. He got him off a bunch of times. So I don't know if it's the same Ignacio, but some part of me thinks that somehow he'll introduce us to Jesse. I almost, for a half a fucking second, before we saw Gail in this episode, had a Jesse, had a yeah bitch moment where I'm like, wait, could Jesse come in here? When they were talking about the other meths in town, like all the shitty meth instead of importing it, and they and Gail's looking at all the shitty stuff, they could have, I mean, it probably would have seemed a little forced, but I bet it was talked about. That could have been a moment where you have a skinny Pete or a, uh, a badger, even though they'd probably be too young, I guess. But the characters would be a little bit too young, but not really. I don't know. You could make it work. Or having a Jesse Pinkman uh, cameo in that moment. I, I, was, I wasn't full on like it's happening, but some part of my head went, yeah, bitch. With a que- I think in my notes, I put yeah, bitch with a question mark. Mm-mm-mm. But not yet, though. Uh, do you think that Nacho would die? Uh, did you catch one of those new branches? Was in, Oh, new branches was in Nebraska, which we connect to Gene, which that's where Gene is, Cinnabon Saul. If people don't know who I'm talking about when I say Gene, the black and white future Saul, I believe is in Nebraska as well. And perhaps that's where Kim ends up. And maybe the future situation does have us see Kim again in the black and white situation. Yeah, the secret ingredient is the chili powder. <laughs> that would have been great if maybe that would have been a nice just Easter egg thing or maybe it would have been a little bit too much. And they know how to just put enough in there to have uh, Gail say, and this one for some reason has some chili powder in it and it's just really stupid. That's I don't know why someone would do that. But that would have been a funny little, uh, little, little slight reference to Jesse being in the game already. But, but I... That's that's me being a hungry dog that I fed from the table and I'm sitting there. And why am I hungry? Why are my owners feeding me? Okay, I'm a I'm an already fed dog. I'm a happy dog. I'm a spoiled dog. So fine, not a hungry dog. A hungry dog hungry dog eats Ramsey's face. Spoiler alert, I guess. But <laughs> I'm a I'm a well-fed dog that just keeps begging because the owner keeps throwing me shit. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. They keep throwing me the good shit. You're giving me the good shit, guys. Stop giving me good shit. I have to take a shit all of a sudden. Stop giving me the good shit because I'm just going to want more. I'm just a per- perpetual want more. You guys, you know, you guys are awesome. Give me more. Give me more. <laughs> G- give me more. Give me more. Give me more, 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 more. Motherfucking bitch, yeah, more. Give me more, yeah, more. Okay, I'm going to stop that shit. Yeah, there's definitely some Breaking Bad stroking going on. There was a lot of stroking some bad in this episode. This, I've said this before, and I'll probably say it again. But no, I'll say that this episode of Better Call Saul, from beginning to end, in my opinion, is the most Breaking Bad feeling episode we've had so far. There's been a couple of other moments. Some of the, the Mike episodes stands out, but even that felt like a different show. It felt like Mike as MacGyver a little bit or something. But this episode, to me, the way it was edited, some of the transitions, some of the mind shit they were doing with characters when Nacho was dying or going through his his shit and some of the camera angles and, and filters that they used reminded me very much more of the Breaking Bad grays rather than the colorful Better Call Saulness of it all. And I just like saying Better Call Saulness of it all. I say that a lot, but I'm going to keep saying it. I'm going to say it like a billion more times just tonight. 
<laughs> but I think that's one of the things I really like about what they're playing with this season and hearing them talk about it. As we go on, those lines are, it's not so much about when is Jimmy going to become Saul. I mean, I think that is an easy thing to kind of point to. And I talk about it all the time. I'm guilty of it. I'm like, oh, is Jimmy Saul. Jimmy's been Saul this whole time. It's all sort of like the transition. He, it's, it's all him sort of dis- taking away all of his humanity. The Saul is there. That's his superpower in a sense. I think the show now has become more how that world, the world that we've seen and the world that we've been inhabiting now for three and a half or th- almost almost three and a half seasons, soon to be four seasons, is converting into the world that we, in a far more subtle and organic, natural way than episode three into episode four of Star Wars, they're converting the world into that world. And as we're getting more into the cartel stuff, more into the meth business, more into all of that, it's coming all over my face, man. Sorry. Fuck yeah, dude. That was definitely some Breaking Bad stroking. I cut my chili powder with a machete. That's just me. <laughs> I love you, Jason. Grease reference. Yep. Yeah. I got feels that river. Mike is too nice to Jimmy in this time period. Wonder what happens. Mike is too much of a good guy and better call Saul. I want the dead eye psychopath. I think it's probably going to happen with something to do. Hmm. That's interesting to think where what's going to, what else is going to happen with Mike to turn him even more sort of cold or is Mike the same person? We're just seeing him in different perspectives, but yeah, the Mike, he becomes the first Mike we see when he first meets Walter. And maybe that's just cause he hates Walter. I don't know. Big fucking Kev. What the fuck is up? What a great episode tonight, man. I miss Gail. He's such a great actor. I want the soundtrack. I want the soundtrack. He does get the soundtrack and big Kev. That's a spin of the wheel. Hopefully big Kev is doing well at the tables right now. And collecting. Lots of good luck to uh, Big Kev out there in uh, Vegas. Rounding out there. What's that? Uh, oh, we got some trumpet in Ocarina fun. I don't have my trumpet or my Ocarina, so that sucks. I could I could play my kazoo. I got a kazoo here. But that's kind of, that sucks. I'm going to give you another spin, Big Kev, because that, 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 that landed on something. But I can go. Something like that. You know, it doesn't matter. One more spin for Big Kev. And thank you so much to our Super Chat donators and all of our patrons. Patrons, I love you. I know you're out there listening. And you guys are the best. Thank you for helping out. And I'll be getting you guys something very special very soon. Tomorrow night, maybe, a review on the way home. I'm going to see a stage show. And I'm going to, just for the patrons, do something special for you guys tomorrow night. So uh, thank you so much for all the support. Anyways, bite of a sandwich. I can do that, Big Kev. Oh, Big Kev's in L.A. now. Now, uh, Gail is a pedophile. He did karaoke in Thailand and works as a shady drug manufacturer, probably because universities don't hire sex workers. I think Ahmed is inside the looking glass here, people. Black is white. White is black. It's true. It's fucking true. But what I know is definitely true is I need to take a bite of a sandwich for Big Kev. So let me get Jack A up there and get let me get all uh, sandwiched up because for every Super Chat donation that you make, we have a wheel here. I spin the wheel and it lands on something and I have to do it by the law of barter. I break the carny code if I fuck this up and we all know what happens if that 
We all know what happened. What happened to me if that happens? So let's uh, let's look at Jack A here. No, no, no. Let's uh, let's let's change it up. Let's change it up to Rick Moranis. So I did the recap and all that sort of stuff. Talked it. So let's get, actually get into the fucking episode. Let's actually start to play that. Get into this fucking episode while I eat my sandwiches. <laughs> so we open up as we see the sun through the clouds and iguana. And then we see the chains to stop the car that we've seen in Breaking Bad. And Mike use the car backs up and it shifts into gear. Hmm. I'm trying to... Who could get killed? Who could... I mean, maybe Mike's daughter finds out... I'm sorry. I'm just... I'm rewinding to a question that someone asked about how do we get Mike to the Breaking Bad Mike. I think it probably has something to do with his daughter and his daughter finding out that he's working in a criminal sort of situation and being casting him out for a while until eventually he can get a relationship with his granddaughter again later. But I don't know. I think something big or my or Mike, maybe it's just after years of doing it, the casualness of it all, or maybe that Gus does something really great for him and connects to him so much that he had that he's so loyal to Gus that he'll go outside his comfort zone when Gus demands it at times or to protect Gus and he views Walt as someone that's just going to fuck shit up for everybody so he'll he has to put out that fire at all costs so you see Mike at his most desperate because he doesn't want to see anything bad happen to Gus because Gus has basically set him and his family up for life. So I think that's probably why we see the Mike we see in Breaking Bad compared to the Mike we see now. It's because of his eventual full-on loyalty to Gus and full-on loyalty to Gus cares about him and his family and will always be there to protect him and sees Walt as a way to destroy that. Perspective is everything. I mean, Gus is a villain on Breaking Bad, but is Walt really the villain? I mean, I, I'd have to rewatch it. I think Gus ultimately tries to pl- makes the play first because he views he because he views Walt views it a few steps down the line. Gus is no in no means a good guy. I'm not saying he's a good guy or Walt's a good guy, but who is the good guy on Breaking Bad? Is there one? I, I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> the baby. <laughs> Walt Jr., but uh, Walt Jr. is kind of a douchebag at times. But is there really a good guy on that show? I, I don't know. Better Call Saul is a different story. Breaking Bad, I'm not sure if there's a good guy. I think it's just different ways of viewing perspectives. There's a perspective where Walt is the bad guy and and he's and the nice chicken man is the good guy. You, you could Is Hank the good guy? I don't know. Is Hank the good guy? Someone's going to say Hank. Maybe Hank's a good guy, but Hank's an asshole too. Hank's not perfect. He's far from fucking perfect. So I think Breaking Bad's all about perspective. So I think maybe Mike becomes the Mike to protect Gus because he thinks of Gus as the good guy in that situation. Oh, hey, guys. Gail Cameo was legit surprised. No one's not like that sad sack Friday the 13th part five. I'm in LA now. Hank could be. Yeah, Hank could be. Hank's the closest thing, I guess, or Hank and Marie. But even Marie is definitely not a She's a klepto, which is fine. You know, klepto's fine. But when she steals the baby, I think that was crossing a line. Uh, so I, I don't... Skylar... No, not really Skylar. T- Hank is the hero of Breaking Bad. Walt is the anti-hero of Breaking Bad. Ahmed. So Hank. So we got Hanks. We got a lot of Hanks. Hank, Hank is probably the closest thing. And especially the way he goes out. He has one of the best television deaths of all time. I'm Hank Schrader, you fucking motherfucker. I don't know what the line is exactly, but it's awesome. Gomez was a good guy too. 
Not really too much of a focus character, but he definitely was a good guy. So, okay, so we open up on the Sundrive with the Iguana, the chain we see in Breaking Bad, we see Mike use, we see it shifts in gears, we head forward like a car commercial, it's tons of awesome angles, side in, side out, it goes over the chain and spins out, the driver holds it together and makes it only a few more miles, and it's Victor, he was doing a, he, what I thought at first was a test, but ultimately is he's setting the scene, so thinking that the twins are going to be investigating it later, Hector's people is going to be investigating it later, so we need to, we need to, uh, we need to take this up or we need to uh, we need to set the scene to look like Nacho and this guy were were fired upon and and jacked here. So then we see another car dropping off glass or something spreading it across the highway to even add more evidence to the scene that we find out later. We pull out and Victor's there uh, who walks towards the car. I always forget the other guy's name. You guys tell me every week, but I forget it. The other one of Gus's guys besides Victor and Nacho's in the car as well. He gets out, he looks at the scene, the other two dudes open the trunk, and we see Dead Guy. Dead Guy gets put into the front seat like a weekend of Bernie's kind of thing. They make it look like a jacking shooting. The dude in the driver's seat, they put two, uh, tons of clips, two full clips worth of bullets into the car and into him. Uh, we we get like We get so many interesting angles. I said, like, with the pizza of the angles? I don't know what I was trying to say right there. But we get tons of amazing... T- angles oh from the back of the car the when they're shooting out the window of the back of the car we're getting it from the perspective of inside the car really great camera work and photography in this scene not in directing nacho looks up dealing with all of this vic turns to him and set and he kind of says get in the car do what you're supposed to do so he gets in the passenger seat he takes the gun and he gets he's like he gets shot in the shoulder. They don't waste any time. They just shoot him in the shoulder. He comes out of the car all bloody. His shit hurts. And he walks out. And he asks, he asks the question, can I make the call now? Make the call now. And then they shoot him in the fucking gut. And the dude's like, Tyrone, thank you. <sighs> what up, Bernie the Burnt? What's cover up? Damn. <laughs> true, Ian. It is true. I can uh, I can guarantee without without certainty that everyone who likes this video can have nachos. That's true. It's absolutely true. The Phil the Issues Guy Show. No way. The Phil the Issues Guy Show. No way. Confirms the delivery of nachos by liking this video. But if you do, I promise. I promise you will have some nachos in your life. So, Bernie the Bird is eating the nachos right fucking now. I love when a plan comes together. See? I bet. I'm I'm assuming, but I'm betting Bernie liked the video. So, thank you, Bernie, for proving my point. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. I'm feeling weird these days. I'm feeling very weird. Anyways, sorry. So words fucking matter. He comes out of the car all bloody and shit hurts. Shit's real. And, uh... Gotta make it look real. And I love how the whole intro to this show has no words. It's all action. And it and it doesn't need any words till this part right here. Do it quick before you pass out. So, <laughs> so okay, so we get uh, we get that awesome intro, and then we come back in after our theme to 
Mike and Jimmy. And this is the first of hopefully not the last scenes we get with the two of them. I always feel so spoiled when we get these scenes with Mike and Jimmy together. It doesn't happen all the time, but they are, they're usually some of the highlight points of the season. And again, this scene didn't disappoint. Both actors work really well together. Mike's whole interaction and body language every time Saul talks. He was being somewhat nice here in to a certain extent because Mike's feeling pretty good about his situation right now. doesn't need the money. But I, I just love the way these two actors work together. It's just very funny. And seeing Jimmy get so desperate and seeing the desperation in his eyes as his plan's not coming together is nothing worth. And throwing every con he has at the situation, basically everything. Out of your, like anytime you guys know these people, it's, it's, you say no to them. You keep saying, no. oh, okay, yeah, yeah. If you want to miss out on an opportunity. So let's listen to the beauty of uh, Mike and Jimmy. Come on, Mike and Jimmy. And what if I told you you could turn this piece of crap into four grand for each of us, minimum? This little fella, he's called the Merry Wanderer. He's not much to look at. He's pretty easy to find. I got this one at a pawn shop on 4th for 20 bucks, but Jay he has a cousin. Jason Voorhees, excellent comment. The greatest thing this show is accomplishing is the way you can watch it from Better Call Saul episode one to the end of Breaking Bad and to be a whole new way of seeing the way things happen. I think, again, not to mention it, not to not to mention it again, but I think that's what Lucas wanted to do with the Star Wars prequels and failed miserably, where in a television show, different thing, Vince Gilligan so far, and there's no, there's nothing in the front, there's nothing in my perspective in front of me that can derail this show at this point it's we're gonna get this season and the next season of awesomeness and there's gonna be a pr good transition into the breaking bad thing i'm just so curious how they're gonna do it and how they're gonna conclude this world with the gene stuff with the cinnabon saul and the future stuff and who knows i i still have a fantasy that the last episode is going to be all in that timeline with maybe some flashback type stuff so I don't know. It's it's very cool what they're able to do here. It's it's not easy. They're making it look easy, I think, and making it look like whatever. And this show goes under the radar a lot compared to some other awesome programs that are on right now that deserve the respect or aw awesome television shows that have been on AMC, like like and some okay shows that have been on AMC. I think this show is is an underdog in some sense because everyone's like, ah, it's Breaking Bad's, you know, ugly stepsister. And the, and the people that are missing that one day will discover the awesomeness of the show. And I don't like, and I wouldn't want this show to have all sorts of uh, attention on it either or, or that kind of crazed, oh, what's going to happen every moment? Because it's not that kind of show. And that kind of lack of patience for it would be disturbing. You know, like getting those uh, those Charlie completely television fans are like, oh, what's oh, what, let's uh, let's talk about Better Call Saul deep down explanation and and let's go, what's going to happen next week? What big mystery? What Easter egg is going to drop next week? Let's explore it. <laughs> oh God, I just came in my pants because uh, this is another opportunity to, to to fake it. Yeah, to fake my excitement. You know, it's like no, this isn't that kind of show, and I like that it's not that kind of show. I like that. I like that they're not trying to cater to that dynamic right now, and it's its own, its own entity. Mm -mm -mm. We need oh shit, we need a sour cream emergency. Uh, FOPs, FOPs, get your drones together and deliver some sour cream to Bernie the Burnt. 
I wonder if there will be an influx of Hummels at pawn shops. <laughs> There's uh, People are stealing Hummels from their grandparents to get crack. I wouldn't doubt it after this episode. Fortunately, this show doesn't have that many eyes on it. I don't think crackheads are watching Better Call Saul, but one day they will, and they'll steal those fucking Hummels. Phil, I'm trying to eat. Stop. <laughs> Birdie. Hey, hey, DJ. What's going on? Okay. So, uh, so let's continue to watch some of this. Called Bavarian Boy. Almost identical. Same umbrella, same swagger. That one is worth a boatload. And I gather you know where to find a Bavarian boy. I do indeed. He's gathering dust on a shelf in an office up on San Mateo, and he's been there for God knows how long, and they have no idea what they've got. To them, it's not Bavarian boy. It's just some piece of junk Grandma gave me that I feel too guilty to get rid of. And that's where you come in. Now, this place I'm talking about, they're not exactly what you call security conscious. There's no cameras whatsoever. There's an alarm on the door that I could probably bridge. And past that, you just pick a lock and walk over to the shelf and swap this wanderer for that boy. And it's five minutes, max. Warm up, gentlemen? Yeah, thanks, friend. Oh, thanks. <laughs> that's cute. Isn't it, though? Yeah. Have your food up in a jiff, Mike. <sighs> Look. And let's continue with this shit. If they just see the same dumb tchotchke staring at them they've been looking at for years. And there's no serial number. These things are practically untraceable. You send Price or some other schlub down to Dallas next week, they're having a collectibles expo. Those people are hungry for hummels. I mean, their eyes are going to pop when they see... Oh, I'm hungry for some Hummels. Wait. And they will pay through the nose, which we will split 50-50. So, that's perfect, right? We make some nice Hummel-loving lady happy, and we make a bundle. Let's do something beautiful here. And Mike, this whole time, is just studying Jimmy. Like, studying him. And how did you come across this valuable wunderkind? And then it comes down to the business. So, and how did you come so, across this valuable wunderkind? So why do I get to be the fortunate one that benefits off your shit? You're uh, missing the point. It's free money. You walk by a 20 on the sidewalk? No, you pick it up. This is a total Saul moment. And it's interesting how much it upsets him that he fails in this moment. That Mike is someone that he can't have. <laughs> that he can't Saul with. Mike is the perfect kryptonite to Saul. Pass. What? Why? It's not for me. Actually, Bernie might be right. This is more of a slip and Jimmy scheme than a Saul scheme. It's small. And I think that I'm gonna I'm gonna back up on the Saul thing. He he's definitely trying Saul tactics here and Obviously, again, I know it's all Jimmy, but if we're if we're picking apart the parts of picking apart, Peter picked the peck of If we're picking apart the pieces of of uh, Jimmy Saul here, this is a slipping Jimmy kind of move. He's he is de-evolving into slipping Jimmy before he's going to explode out into fuller, bigger schemes for higher profit margins, which I think what Mike's trying to tell him here. He's saying, I'm, I, I know you're upset about your brother. I think the subtext of the scene is, dude, I'm being nicer to you because I'm upset at you. I know you're upset about your brother. 
You're trying small-time scammy shit because you're reverting back to childhood-like state. I get it. This isn't for you. I'm not saying schemes aren't for you, but you're better than this kind of scheme. This is something, as Bernie made reference to, this is something a crackhead would do to steal. You don't need the four fucking grand or the eight grand or whatever it is, 16 grand that he's giving the guy for, whatever, or 10 grand that you're going to get for this thing. You don't need that money right now. You're basically doing a shit scam, a bumping whatever, you know, a, a quick break, B and A, breaking and entering. Think bigger. Think bigger scale. And so I think that's what Mike's trying to tell him here in this moment. Not for you. Is there some problem I'm not seeing, like with the swap or something? Plan's fine as far. Hank was willing to let Jesse die to get Walt. Yes, and that's why I'm saying Cool Breeze. Uh, cool Breeze way back with me in the Breaking Bad stuff. Hank is not without sin. You know, Gomez is a much nicer guy than Hank, but Hank was uh, definitely did not give a crap about Jesse's life and went too far in a couple of occasions, in a couple of situations, and had some serious rage problems. But I guess if we have to pick heroes out of the main cast, out of the main group, like the main the main five or you know, the two the two couples and the uh, and then Jesse, if we have to pick a hero out of all those, I mean, I want to say it's Jesse. I do, I really do, because Jesse is a good soul beneath it all. So maybe it's Jesse. Is Jesse the heart of Breaking Bad? Because I don't think there's a good guy. Is but is Jesse the heart of Breaking Bad? That's again a question. And and I'm fuck fuck just being about Saul. Where the the lines are crossed. Dogs and cats are living together. Mass hysteria. It's one universe. Let's let's cut through the shit sandwich here. Talking about it all here. Talking about talking about Better Call Breaking Bad. It doesn't matter. It's a fucking Breaking Breaking Bad episode. We're in Breaking Bad now, guys. It doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> But is Jesse the heart of this, all of this? Maybe, I guess. Hey, Lindsay, great to see you. Lindsay, great to see Cool Breeze in the live chat. Lily of the Fox Valley. I was bummed Mike said no to Jimmy, even though I figured he would. I know, just because I wanted to see Mike doing some business and them working together and stuff. Because it was so easy, I think, Lindsay. What, why was Jimmy so obsessed with this damn kitty statue? I think he was obsessed with the kitty statue because it was easy. It was easy money on the ground and because he wanted to get some simple successes and, and want to work. And he wanted to pr just prove how easy he can just con people and how easy money is. And he just wants to make some quick scams to that will make him feel happy. He's reverting back to what he knows is happiness for him, which is simple scams and, and blocking people out of goods and having, be having a step ahead of people and understanding, oh, look, look, how I can do this. I'm awesome. At least that's what I think. Lindsay, Nacho didn't look so good. I'm waiting for him to disintegrate all of the Avengers. Jesse got his girlfriend back on smack. Very true. Jesse did get Jessica Jones back on crack or back on smack. Oh, not Jessica Jones. Are we talking about the, uh, the, uh, oh, or the, uh, the other girl, the girl that's the, uh, this, the mother of, no, you're talking about Jessica Jones, right? Anyways, it's been a while. I need to rewatch Breaking Bad. That, this reminds me. So the waitress comes over and, and let's listen to more of Mike telling Jimmy not to do it. It goes. It's just not for me. And I don't think it should be for you either. I'm sorry about your brother. Yeah, thanks. But you're really not going to do this. Sorry. No, so no, Jimmy, you don't get it. That's what he's saying to you. He's saying sorry about your brother. That's why you're doing this stupid scam. That's just for fucking tit money. That's way beneath either of us. Shut up. 
Jimmy, stop. Oh, Q's daughter. Okay, so Q's daughter, which is Jessica Jones. Isn't it crazy that Q's daughter is Jessica Jones? It all makes sense now. That's how Jessica got her powers. Q just went, dink. Daisy. Thanks, friend. Can I get you anything else? No, I'm good. And uh, Joss, Joss-eath. If um, I'm gonna kill your name right there, but buddy, but I love the, I love the Q reference. Thank you, thank you for the John Delance reference there. Much appreciated. Slip and Jimmy tried to set up the theft, but it was Saul who saved the day from the saved the guy from the copier shop. I love how Mike came off that statue swap was beneath. Yeah, totally. He's like, uh, that's beneath me. And dude, it's beneath you too, Saul. You're better than this. You're a better con man than this bullshit. Sure, I can't get you anything. No, I'm not hungry. Thanks. All right. And then we get the last ditch effort of the con man. If you ever hear someone saying this sort of shit to you, you know they're trying to con you. It's not even, it's not, or not con you, but sort of like bring you into their nonsense. Like you've already said no. You clearly stated the things you don't want to do, but no, they, they keep going. They keep going. The, 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 are you sure? If you don't want easy money, that's your business. I just thought I'd give you first crack at a golden opportunity. See you around. You take it easy. Yes, hello. Yeah, it it ultimately in that moment it's just like one last fuck you, right? You know, like make the person feel as guilty as possible. There, I, I that come on, Saul. That that's beneath you. That's grade school fucking manipulation. Wow, wow, wow. I wet my pants. Bullshit. Come on, come on. Don't bring Mike that weak shit. You really think you really think you really think Mike's gonna fall for any of that weak shit, dude? Come on, pass it on. That's the that's the weakest that's the weakest guilt trip I've ever heard in my life. My mother used to give me better guilt. My my mother gave me guilt trips worse than that for breakfast. <laughs> well, I Philip, Norman, Norman, you gotta kill them all before four o'clock in the morning. Hey. Okay, mom. Shh. Okay, Norman. Why are you calling me Norman? Because it's funnier. Okay, mom, stop. <laughs> Sorry, guys, things got creepy. Okay, so here we go. Yeah, right. Too small time for Mike. Helping people by being a criminal. I think you'll see the start of Jimmy seeing he can help people now more than trying to be slipping Jimmy. And you can see that by helping people. And I think it's all going to come together when he gets his law license back. And he's going to kind of put it all together at that point and figure out how he's going to rebrand himself. And that's going to be the final step. He's going to get a secretary. I mean, we all know the points that it's going to get him. But I do think you hit on some very interesting point there. DJ says, it's like, Jimmy, you are a lawyer now. Think bigger. or base Yeah, exactly. You have lawyer-like powers. You are a... You are a Hall of Fame con man. Work bigger. You know, you know it. Mike begrudgingly says, you know, you have the skills. You're not slipping Jimmy. That was your youth. That was you crawling. So I, I dig that stuff. Okay, so then Jimmy is looking to see the vet. On to the desert where the cousins are there to investigate the scene. They look and they see if it all makes sense. They slowly study it like Batman. And they seem a little, uh, it's hard to read these guys, but they're a little dubious or just concerned about what the fuck happened. They're just, they're, they follow the trail of blood. They find Nacho there not doing so well, looking like he's 
dying. Oh, they graphically grab him and try to patch up the wound. And it's disgusting. Who did this? They say a word to him. Nacho says, don't know. Silver car, Firebird. As we just get an excellent shot of the mountains with the car on fire. And the cinematography is just making me touch myself in television special places like my eyes. Like, oh, 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 oh. Or like this, oh, oh. Doing that sort of stuff, looking at the background scenes. Again, Coen Brothers, like, cinematography style here. As we see the mountains in the background. With the Fuck you, Vincent, your whole fucking team. Fuck you and your whole fucking team. So then we see, uh, we, we cross into a ne our next scene, which we're in Kimland here. So let's wait to get into Kimland and go to the live chat for a second. His suspension gives him time to realize he's good at getting people out of shit messes. No, it's all about morals. Mike thinks this con is immoral. You think so, Ping? Interesting, interesting point. I wonder about that with Mike because you think this is beneath. You don't think it's because it's beneath him. You think it's because he views straight theft like this as being a break of his morals. He's better than that. He's not a thief. He's. If he's going to steal it for something, it's like a bigger cause or a bigger business type situation. Interesting take. I'm not sure I agree with it, Ping, but but interesting. And I always like sharing other people's thoughts about stuff. And that's what's awesome about this show. It can be analyzed in a lot of fucking different ways. Lola in the live chat. Hey, Phil. Hope you're okay, hon. I'm waiting for the Game of Thrones season. I'm waiting as well. I have been... I've had better summers, but this is... I'm doing well. Things are a little crazy now. But uh, hopefully things will start to settle in pretty soon. But uh, thank you so much, Lola, for popping on in the chat. Thank you to everyone that's joining us or checking out this video later. And if you haven't already, hit that like button. Hit the subscribe button and join me every week for these Better Call Saul recaps. Joe will not be with us next week, but he'll be with us the week after. He's doing some fill-in work on Mondays for the uh, for the rest of August. But our first Better Call Saul podcast of September, Joe will be back with us. And we'll try to do a What Did Joe Think podcast at some point soon to get his thoughts on the last couple of episodes. Hmm. <laughs> Did anyone catch Mike the security video for Magical that AMC released? I did not see that, uh, Jason. I will have to check that out. We got Ninny Muggins. I think Nacho. I think they shot Nacho in precise places where he was unlikely to die because Gus probably wants to keep him alive as a pawn. Saying that to Lindsay, but and I 100% agree with uh, Muggins 99. I think that they knew exactly what they're doing. They shot him in the place in the gut that he could bleed out for hours and not actually die and shoot him in the shoulder where the bullet's going to stay there and not actually uh and not actually kill him or damage himself permanently but it is going to be lodged in his shoulder for life and he's going to set off uh set off metal detectors which i think is very 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 important and not just and not just a coincidence that they mention that line that's probably going to come back later no, no, no words are wasted on Better Call Saul. They don't use words all the time, but they all have a purpose. So I wouldn't be surprised if that comes back in some way, shape, or form. The fact that he now will be set off in a metal detector. Bum, bum, bum. Mike does ask Jimmy what these guys did to him to make him want to steal from him. People are retracting messages each way. Did you just tell me to go fuck myself or something, yo? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Love you guys. Uh, so yeah, I mean, so Mike probably just views this as something that's just, it's its immoral. You're just stealing. That's sort of like a spite, shitty thing to do. So 
Ping, you might be onto something, buddy. Not as a pawn, though, but as a double agent, Gus is working in the Hector wing of the cartel to have an inside, inside guy just to kind of see what's going on, a mole, per se. Good stuff in the live chat, as always. I love hearing people talk about Better Call Saul and break apart this stuff. It's a fun show to analyze uh, little meanings because it's such a good character study and such a good such good scene work just from a uh, simple acting and presentational st standpoint, let alone all the extra added bonuses of being a part of the same universe as, as the greatest show of all, or one of the greatest shows of all time in a very... And... Again, I can't stop talking about this stuff and who gives a fuck. I'm a little goofy for it. When you reopen a world, the Sopranos might have to deal with this one day too. And I hope Vincent, Ch uh, Vincent Chase. <laughs> Anyone who knows who Vince Chase, Vincent Chase is. I hope Aquaman. I hope Medellin. Mid you know, I hope David Chase is taking notes. And in the same way that Vince Gilligan took notes when watching The Sopranos to, to make Breaking Bad better, I hope that I hope that David Chase is <laughs> Vince Chase. I hope Vince Chase and his directorial, de directorial debut of Medellin is is taking notice here, I <laughs> on how to not fuck up your world by adding more to it. So. I hope it, it, he could teach a class about this shit. And I'm so glad that they stepped back in here and aren't fucking it up. And I and it's only because so many people fuck this shit up that I would even think it. But the fact that they're not just fuck, man. This and Fraser. I mean, is that what we're talking here? These Jason Stephanie said the same thing. We watched the the episode ended, and she goes, "That's it." And not in a, I felt gypped way, but fuck, man, that's it. I want more now. <laughs> so fucking good. Words hurt. Not as much as machetes. Machetes really hurt. Nacho screwed since the vet said he's done helping him out. These episodes are going by way too fast. Yeah, DJ, I think. Oh, what did DJ say? What did DJ say? I am so scared for Nacho. I am too. I don't think he's surviving the series. This season, maybe, but I doubt. I doubt there's any way Nacho survives the series. And Nacho needs the vacuum guys soon. Yeah, to get the hell out of there. And maybe that maybe that will be our first introduction to that guy. And Saul will that's our introduction to Jesse somehow. Oh, I'm gonna stop now. I'm gonna stop now and go to the next scene. Okay. Okay. Okay, Jeremy. This is this is Lauren Michaels doing this. I can't do a Lauren Michael. What am I doing? But Lauren Michaels and Dr. Evil sound exactly alike. And that's not on purpose. So we see, uh, we see legs. I'm sorry, like legs. Oh, we see some legs, and I know whose legs those are. Those are Kim's legs. Look at this. As she comes in, and she's being helped by her new intern law aide until the show tells me it's a paralegal. Sorry, Sam. I'm, uh, I'm like, intern law in my notes. I wrote, Kim walks in with her new intern law person like thing. <laughs> Her new paralegal. And they begin heading up as Kim's back to work at Sandpiper. And the team's talking to her. And let's listen to a little bit of all of this so I can do some hippie activities and drink some beer. The whole side of this building is glass. And it's on a north-facing lot. I'm told that's energy efficient, so I'm excited about that. Ninny, I'm afraid you're going to be right because I... 
Ninny in the chat says, I don't think we're going to see Jesse on the show. I would, and eh, let's open this up to the chat. I want to disagree with you hardcore, but my whole thing with it is hearing them talk about it. They've said several times, they've, Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul both said that they would be the, be on the show in a second if they were asked. And it all comes down to only if it makes sense. It made sense for Gus to show up. Now, it makes sense for Gail to show up. It makes sense for this person, that person. The only way that they would show up is if it made sense in the narrative. They will not be on there for a glorified cameo. They will not be on there for a walkthrough, for a... And I know Joe's talked about that he wouldn't mind something in the in the uh, in the car wash for Walt. I seriously doubt we'll see that. If we're to see Jesse, I think. But I've said this a few times before. I think Jesse makes more sense. I still tend to think that you're right that we won't see either of them, and I don't think it matters. Will the show not be as good for me if we don't see Wes uh, Wesley? If we don't see Wesley Crusher. Wesley, true love. If we don't see Jesse or Walt, no. The show will be just as fucking good. I don't have to see either of those two. Would it be cool if it was done right? Yes. And I think Jesse could be the cool, the cool one. I've said a couple ways where I think they could be in a bar where a band's playing and Jesse's playing drums and sell some meth to somebody or, or something. But that's just, again, a glorified cameo. I, part of me thinks we're going to see him because we know that he knows about Saul. And we know that Saul helped his friend out. So could it be we see him in a courtroom yelling, yelling yeah, bitch from the back? But again, that's a cameo. I don't, I want to argue with you because I want to see Jesse, but it wouldn't, it really doesn't matter to me. Mm. It doesn't matter to me either way. You know, they can do what they want to do. You know, they don't have to give me Walt and Jesse. I'm thinking Jimmy just doesn't care anymore, and that kind of hurts Kim. That's going to be the reason why Kim and Jimmy eventually grow apart. I agree with that, and I think we'll talk more about that at the end. I talked about that a little bit at the beginning as well. Her crying and breaking down when he was reading the letter was such a powerful scene and so fucking awesome, and you could so understand why Kim was feeling that way because it was a lot of things. She was upset about what she said to Howard, as someone mentioned earlier. She's upset with reading the letter and he or hearing the letter and hearing that she was maybe wrong about Chuck and in her anger sort of put out some negative energy and sort of grieving for the first moment because Chuck, because she did have somewhat of a relationship with Chuck. And then the and on top of all of that is seeing how cold Jimmy can be and seeing that switch that Jimmy has and realizing that she, I'm not sure if I could love someone that can not feel like this at times and and I, I agree I think that was her foreseeing the end of her relationship with Jimmy and that's the second time in the episode that it happened the first time where I'm starting to get and Kay Rich mentioned this as well in the scene we're about to talk about when she starts looking at all the work she's going to get through this business and how it's going to be easy work and sit with the same company and getting to do all this travel and that's that coupled with Jimmy being emotionally not there. I don't know, like not I'm not even gonna say emotionally inequipped for something that's worth sacrificing your work for. And I think that's what's gonna come down to to Kim. It's not so much that I think she came to a point last season where she was willing to give her heart and focus on her heart instead of her business and connect with Jimmy on that level. But I think if Jimmy can be this person and can shut off like this, it's making her question that and think, fuck. I'm not risking it at all on someone that can just 
turn a switch and get all fucking cold on me and be this person I hate or I maybe not hate, but I couldn't imagine having a close relationship with. So there's a lot of real crap going on here that I can definitely relate to. And I think anyone's ever been in a relationship that's fallen apart can relate to. Yeah, no fan service. No fucking fan service. Oh my God, I want baby Jesse to be the one stealing the Hummel. Oh my God, I wanted Jesse to be the Hummel. But no fan service here, agreed Lindsay. Uh, if Jesse shows up, it probably won't be till the very end of the series. Same with Walt. I agree too. It'll be more of a, of a at the end of a fireworks display, just throwing everything at the, at the mic. And I could see in the last couple of episodes if they couldn't find an organic way to get them into the, into the story at all, them throwing a random cameo like someone driving down the street with badger and skinny pete mooning saul or something and someone else yelling out the window yeah bitch really loud or some shit like that or with walt a car wash kind of setup where we see walt walking by or we see saul stop into the car wash or or gus stop in the car wash or something i think those are at the end of the series you might get some curtain calls if Vince and Peter decide that they're never going to step foot in this universe again as sort of a, you know, goodbye for, to everybody. But I wouldn't hold my breath on it, and it's not something that's going to make or break this series for me. And I trust if they do it, it they'll do it well. And they'll, it'll either be really funny or it will make sense to the story that they're trying to tell. Crazy Eight, informant for Hank. That would have been funny, Birdie. That would have been, Je if it was Jesse, that would have been amazing. It really would. When I saw the beard, it could have been. Emotionally unavailable. Thank you, DJ. That's like me. I'm emotionally unavailable. I think Kim was partially projecting her guilt onto Howard. She was indirectly involved in Jimmy setting up Chuck to lose the Mesa Verde case. case. Lindsay is dropping some awesome knowledge in the live chat. All you guys are. Thank you so much for adding so much to the fucking show. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Has Kim's fascination with Mesa Verde expansion been discussed? And not Sandpiper, Mesa Verde, sorry. I I've called it Sandpiper a couple times in this episode. I get confused with that stuff. I get confused. I don't remember things. <laughs> but, but yes, Mesa Verde. Has Kim's fascination with the Mesa Verde expansion been discussed yet? It started with Nebraska was mentioned. I haven't really discussed it. I'm kind of getting to that right now. And I'm not really sure. And I'm very curious of other people's take on that. My thought initially was thinking about she was thinking future down the line and thinking that she's going to be traveling a lot. It's going to be so much business that's going to affect her relationship with Jimmy. Some part of it, the Nebraska, could connect to her childhood and connect to her life and some shit that she left behind at home. And knowing that this business might bring her to have to go back home and deal with some shit because she's going to be going through there. I honestly don't know. And I'm very curious because Kim was extremely interesting to me in this episode and not very by the book. And I She's not on balance, and I like how they're playing with her motivation and what her wants and her needs. She's a extremely under underappreciated character, I think. And I and what I mean is the actress does such a great job portraying her that times you can be like, she's cold, she doesn't care about Jimmy. Like I get all the Kim problems, but the actress is just doing such a, a great job at showing all these different myriads of emotion. And then after the accident, all these different things flushing into her head and now going through all of this and being with someone like Jimmy who's all over the place and that emotional baggage that that's causing as well too. As well too, that's a little redundant, but whatever. <laughs> 
is Jimmy a psychopath, uh, a psychopath, psychopathic, or neither? And I don't know. That's just a good question, Ping. It he's he's hmm. I think he's more of. Uh, I, I don't know. I, we're going to wait for Joe for that one, Ping. I'm going to wait. Joe is the mental health and drug rehabilitation counselor. So I'm ve- I'm going to save that question, Ping. If you can, email me that question at igotissuesman at gmail.com or you can text me at 781-990-8509. Those kind of questions or leave a voicemail. And on our next show with Joe, I'll ask him those questions because those would be much better addressed to Joe rather than me. I'd just be pulling shit out of my ass right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too emotional, DJ. No, Jason. Kim is in love with a broken man. Gene is in Nebraska. Nebraska Nebraska branch has to be the link. I agree, too. Thrones. Hey, Philip. Hello, chat. Just dropping in to give a like. Th- Thrones, that means so much to popping on in. And thank you so much for that like. You will get your taco in seven to ten days. Must go watch the actual episode. Great to see you, buddy. Oh, bullshit. Okay. She's definitely starting to feel the guilt on the situation. In fact, refresh my memory, is Kim aware that Jimmy got the Mesa Verde deal out of Chuck's hands to give back to her? I think maybe Chuck said something to her when they were talking last season. I I honestly am so bad about that. Something happens, I talk about it, and then it's out of my mind to a certain extent. And some of the details and minutiae when I watch stuff for a second time or third time, I pick up on it again because I... I Watch a lot of television, not just because of this show, even shows that I watch that I don't necessarily talk about, which I know is against the rules. I'm not allowed to do that, but I do do it sometimes. And so everything's kind of uh, blends at times. Kim's a good woman. Okay, so Mesa Verde and the team is talking to her, and let's listen to a little bit more of this. Uh, Salt Lake City? After Provo, why not? And again, what fucking awesome use of just camera tactics and filters and sound effects. Like a show like Game of Thrones or Westworld or any other show that that Remond uh, works on. They have these big sort of soundtracky kind of things going. Not soundtracky. Uh, orchestration things going to it. Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul use music in a different way. Then almost any show, really, Sopranos used it a little uh, differently, too, than other things, but used real songs as enhancing moments. But I love how Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul use it, especially Better Call Saul. They play some music in some songs at times, but in this episode, it's like weird guitar sounds and weird... Or like the growl of something. It, it just adds so much edge and different worldliness to it all and hearing when Kim starts going down on her trip I felt like someone had just slipped me the the brown acid at Woodstock or something ladies and gentlemen we've got some brown acid do not take the brown acid and I just felt like all tripped out I had some flashbacks things got weird it was it was it was excellent and Cheyenne Wyoming yep and that's the line everybody that the Cheyenne Wyoming and or it's when she mentions Nebraska, right? That's when it kicks in. North Platte, Nebraska. Now these two, you already know. This one's gonna be Ogden, Utah. And this one here is Tucumcari. But over here on this side, you got a few new See, buddy, Jonah, Is it raining? Is it pouring? 
After Is that, up here, one other is fading. Nevada, I mean, Reno, too. The fire might be growing. Lubbock, Texas. But the highest Amarillo, must be somewhere. Then we're going to get up to the Pacific Northwest. Boise, Bend, Oregon, Eugene, Salem, all the way up to Portland. Now, this one is real special. Denver. See here? We're going to go ahead and add more trees on the west side, and that'll be great. And then maybe a... A bench or two on the outside. Kim, is there something wrong? Kim, is there something wrong? Fucking great, great moment. It's a lot. It's a very fast, aggressive expansion. Kevin figures once we get our foothold in Utah, then we'll file for federal charter. Yeah. We're really building something here. All your hard work is making a difference. I mean, Kim, this is what it's all about. So, I can get the notes to you by EOD if that's okay. Uh, yeah, that's fine. Okay, so let's get in the live chat. She punched Jimmy in the arm and said never to talk about it again. And Nebraska branch has to be the link. I agree. It definitely triggered something in her. Why did Kim go to the courthouse? I'm not sure. But do we ever touch back in on her after that point? She's pulling something. It's probably has something to do again with Nebraska. I'm... I'm all I can say is they're not going to leave that hanging out there. We're going to get the answer sooner rather than later. Ping says, is Jimmy's cold reaction to his brother's death just an excuse for the showrunner to write a script that's not too difficult for Bob? No, Ping. Come on. <laughs> Come on, Ping. Uh, no, Ping. He's in complete avoidance mode. Odenkirk was excellent in Fargo. But no, I, I don't think they go easy on Odenkirk in the least way they really put the screws to him and treat him like they would any other actor and i think it's paid off in the execution so sorry you're not feeling the odin kirk i am ping so uh okay so he shows her the models freaks out then she snaps out of it she stops and pauses at the centerpiece as she's heading out your draft i assume you're dictating it Actually, you're right before. Why don't you take a stab at it, and then I'll take a look. Great, that works. I'll start on that right after I get you home. Uh, instead of taking me home, drop me off at the courthouse, would you? Oh, I didn't realize you had an appearance today. I would have prepped. No, no, I don't. You don't? Nothing to prep. Don't worry about it. So she stops in, and then Jimmy's in the next scene is in the vet's waiting to head in there, and the vet is giving him the fuck you, I don't want to work with He's you. Not stuff. Into it, and then Jimmy jumps on in there and makes makes reference to Tywin Lannister. Let's see if we can hear this reference to the this Game of Thrones reference from the writers. Give me that. Uh-huh. It doesn't work that way. No direct contact. That's the point. Just give it to me. Hey, this is the interested party. I have one question for you. Do you shit gold? It's a simple yes or no. Do you shit gold? Tywin Lannister does. No, all right then, because unless you currently have a large gold nugget traversing your colon, this is the easiest money you're ever going to make. How long does it take for you to pick a Yale three pin? Well, then in eight minutes, you're going to make four grand. Ten minutes if you decide to pick your nose. In, out, no one comes looking for you ever. How does that sound? Yeah, I know where that is. Here. Uh-huh. In a half an hour. Yep. <laughs> See, I'm not trying to tell you how to do your job, but 
So Jimmy shows he can do his job better than anybody. And it's a great scene. I agree. He shows how much better of a salesperson he is. Hey, what's up, Jay, in the live chat? Great to see SM down in the live motherfucking chat. GJ said the scene was brilliant. Sales Jimmy. <laughs> Slipping sales Jimmy. Uh, cool Breeze says, Nacho already had a piece of a biker's skull stuck in that shoulder. Uh, dude, that Tuco killed with a shotgun. That shoulder's all fucked up on Ignacio. Jill, you're all set? All right. Thank you very much. See you next time. I hope she feels better soon. Excuse me. So, uh, the next scene is, oh yeah, what, this quick scene. Can I help you? Uh, the, I forgot to mention in this moment, I could easily have forgotten this, but Jimmy slips out, <laughs> slipping, no pun intended, Jimmy slips out and slipping right past him is one of the cousins, one of the Tuco cousins, and he, he, uh, he's going to get the vet because I guess Nacho told him to go get the vet or something like that. Uh, we never, I don't get, we never get told exactly, but we don't need everything handed to us. Nacho, they asked, who can we call? You know, who's a, who's a doctor or who's an underground doctor we can call? And he called, uh, they found out, told, he told them to call the vet, call the vet or go get the vet. So then we see the cousins bringing the vet to help Nacho. We see, uh, he closes up shot. We see crazy visuals with these this guy saving nacho's life in a super trippy tripped out scene i mean i could play some audio from this scene but it's crazy tripped out it's i wanted to go and immediately start uh eating some sandwiches and and taking some magic mushrooms in the scene as we see nacho holding on to life sick scene very graphic i mean i don't know what shit really looks like but television graphic for for a uh, for a regular television show here, and uh, oh god, and then ultimately Nacho wakes up after it all, or starts to wake up. And then we we're stuck in Pink Floyd the Wall for a few minutes, and then eventually the doctor explains this all to Nacho. What's going on? He woke up. That means my Spanish is good enough, and your Brenner over here is actually O negative. Okay, I had to leave a bullet in your shoulder. Might set off metal detectors from now on. Gave you a dose of broad spectrum antibiotics. Let's see. Pulse is good. Now, sniff test says you probably didn't perforate your bowel. Probably. I can't be 100% sure you didn't get nicked. Now, if this starts to leak, you're going to get the worst infection of your life. It's going to hurt like hell, and then you're going to die. So I advise you to go see a doctor that has some imaging tech. In other words, one that's not working out of the back of a jiffy loop. Till then, keep these clean and dry. Change the bandages daily. You should be okay. You understand me? Good. Now understand this. After I walk out of here, I never want to see you again. Never. Good things. Car good thing cartel guys can't hear people whispering in the same room they're in. This cartel shit is too hot for me. You got it? 
Sheriff. I'm pretty sure that if they want to use you again now, since they know you exist, you're going to be used again, buddy. I don't think... What are you going to give... What are you going to show the cartel muscle, uh, vet guy? You got to you gotta sick the animals? You got you got Dr. Doolittle and Aquaman on your side, buddy? I mean, what you going to do? What you going to do? I'm taking the Salamanca family over the vet. I don't know. If this goes to war, if this goes to the mattresses, I'm taking... I don't know. It depends. Who's the vet got on his side? Does he got a Jumanji board on his side? Can he, can he manifest? <laughs> Manifest uh, Bebop and Rocksteady to show up and, uh, and bash this shit. Does he get some mutagen to fight the Salamancas? Because I'm pretty sure the Salamancas are bringing the heat. So uh, if they want to use you again, vet, you, you ain't, you're not going nowhere. Okay? Buddy. Maybe the model homes reminded Kim of Chuck's burnt house. It's another interesting point, Ping. And and Ping, you are a new, new face I've seen in there. Welcome to the live chat. Welcome to the live chat, motherfucker, motherfucker. I'm going to play you. I don't know why randomly I'm going to play you this. Dick on, dick on, dick on. That's just a that's a song about that's a song of love. It really is. So welcome, welcome to uh, Ninny as well, so a newer face, and all of our good friends that are welcome. If you're a new face, definitely say hi in the live chat, and I'll I'll make a big deal about you. But no, I appreciate any new folks that are popping on in here, just having watched the episode of Better Call Saul, and maybe checking out this silly podcast for the first time. Jump in the water. The live chat people are really fucking awesome, and. Try to check us out every week. I'll be on right after the episode airs. And uh, we'll also talk about a bunch of other shows. Not at the moment. This is the only thing we're doing right now. But uh, throughout the year, we talk about a lot of other shows too. So if you're enjoying this silliness, please think about sticking around. So here we go. Joss loves the Dickens song. It's just good. Yeah, I just I look for excuses to play the Dick Dickens song. It's never going to go away. Never going away. Now that now that that silliness is over and gave me time to finish my finish my beverage and pour some more, uh, we go off to the easy scheme as the dude gets to the door and he heads into the office. The bearded not Mike. I, I feel like I need some music for this. So uh, <laughs> I wonder what Joe. What did Joe? What did Joe think? What did Joe? What did Joe think? What did Joe? What did Joe think? Here we go. Add some toms to that. Oh yeah, I do have the I do have the toms here. (laughs) 
<laughs> Maybe at the end of the night, Birdie, we'll do one one last dick on, uh, or I'll add some dr add some drums. Sometimes I wish I didn't do this show at eleven forty two at night so I can make loud noises on that drum set right behind me right now. <laughs> but I'm too I'm too aware of my sleeping the sleeping baby next door in the in the in the room like that's about a half a foot in that direction. But in fairness, you know, babies need to learn to wake up to rock and roll music too. <laughs> Anyways, YouTube captioning really struggled with the dick on song. Sadly, they fit did it fail. I love that that happens right now. K. Rich was saying that last week. It makes me want to say Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, California, Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, Florida, Georgia, Hawaii, Idaho, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Minnesota, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, Nevada, New Hampshire, New Jersey, Mexico, New York, North Carolina, North Dakota, Ohio, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Vermont, Virginia, Washington, West Virginia, Wisconsin, Wyoming. Just to be curious if it was able to keep up with me. Okay, focus. Here we go. So off to this easy scene as the dude gets to the door and he heads into the office. He has a beard. He's not Mike, but he seems all right. He has his own sort of music that's not as smooth as Mike, but he's doing it anyways. He's got this weird music and he needs to grab it like the Holy Grail and he smiles at how easy it is. Is it real? Is it fake? He does, he's like Indiana Jones. He flips it off. He's, he flips it inside him. He well, flips it inside him. What kind of party is this? Someone's in there. Oh my God, it's the dude from Glow living in his office. It's because he canceled Glow, and he wouldn't let them continue doing the show on another network, so, uh, so the girls, fuck no. He's living in his office, he's another character, but it is the same actor that was in Glow. And he closed the door, and bearded guy's trapped in there with his dude who's in a fight with his wife. He, uh, he's crashing there, he's, uh, they argue, and they go back and forth, and could this be a foreshadowing of what Nacho needs to do eventually? As him, him and his wife are fighting about this. Okay, thank you. I, I just wanted to say, I'm sorry if you feel upset. It was not my intention for you to feel upset. Well, my intention was for... Honey, it is top of the line. Then what is the point? I mean, you're saying I'm a, I'm a thoughtless, that I don't care. But it is a very, very expensive vacuum. It, it never loses suction. So what you're saying is I've got, I got to sleep in my office because I got you a gift? Lynette? Lynette? No, no, Lynette. <laughs> Damn it. No, 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 buddy. <sighs> Fucking asshole. I need more context. I want. I need to know more. What did he not buy? <laughs> what did he buy? Did he just buy a random gift for her? Like, cause if he bought a random gift for her, then da, 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 that's all, folks. If he bought a random gift for her, and then it's just a vacuum cleaner, do they need a vacuum cleaner? I don't have any problems with a vacuum cleaner. I clean and shit like that. Oh wow. Do you see Terry Farrell like right in my corner? Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, if right behind me was. Jadzia Dax, even with the line down her head and she's split in two pieces, I'd, I'd be okay with that. Hey, Dax, what's going on? Who's on my other side? I'll get the Lannisters on the other, on the other side. So, uh, anyways, yeah. <laughs> so, but I, I need to know more about this vacuum situation. What's going on? <laughs> Come on, let's take a call from Detroit.
Detroit, what's going on? <laughs> what does Detroit have to say? Wait, you're supposed to ask. Hey, Phil. Hey, Phil. This is Harry from Detroit. What's going on? I don't know what the fuck they were thinking there, dude. What the fuck you think they were doing? I don't know, but you sound like you're from Boston, not Detroit. Yeah, dude, but, uh, okay. I moved here, like, a week ago. That's very nice. What'd you think of the episode? Um, dude, I didn't watch the fucking episode. I just want to call and, call and say you're a fucking asshole. Hey, man, that's not very nice. You got a fucking asshole. You're fucking babbling and babbling. Just talk about the fucking episode, dude. Okay, I'll try to talk about the episode, but you're not helping by calling in and telling me I'm an asshole. Okay, dude, go fuck yourself. Now you're just talking to yourself? You seem fucking crazy, dude. You think you're fucking crazy. I'm, well, you know, I'm struggling with some things. Hey, dude, don't fucking undermine me. I won't undermine you. Okay, fuck. You know, you're looking kind of fine tonight. Oh, thanks, buddy. Hey, I know that you know that I don't... Hey, I don't want you quoting Delirious here. Okay, I won't. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Okay, so let's continue. Now that I've got that out of my head, I but the, it's never out of my head. It's never. It's there forever. It's there forever. So let's continue. So Mike is he, not Mike is trapped in there, and this dude is in a fight with his wife. He won't crash. He he orders a pizza and and dipping sticks. He orders like a lot of shit. I mean, this dude orders some fucking tasty shit. This makes me hungry. Tell me what you ordered, asshole. Okay. Kirby vacuums. Yeah, Kirby vacuums uh, are great. A, a buddy of mine, Big Daddy Matt, who uh, does the Sopranos podcast, will be a Soprano yes, podcast either this week or next please. Next week. Could you also throw in some he used to sell vacuum cleaners. There's nothing wrong with that. Unless you're in, in the movie American Strays and you're killing there, people. Yeah. Mm -mm. yeah, Kirby's are like $1,000. DJ says, do not uh, buy a woman a, a vacuum cleaner as a gift. Little, uh, little life lesson from DJ there. What exactly is Mike's role under Gus right now? Have we seen him do any jobs for Gus yet? I forgot what happened in season three. Mike got on the payroll. I think he just sort of like bought his contract out and was like, don't fuck with me. And if you don't fuck with me, I'll pay you. And Mike is like, and what Mike's arc this season seems to be is that's not good enough for Mike. Mike won't just sit by and collect checks. So he's actively trying to make Madrigal safer for Gus. And Gus is going to, through all of this, at some point this season probably, or early next season, is going to bring Mike aside and be like, I know what you're doing. You're trying to protect me. Why are you doing that? And Mike's going to say, well, if I'm going to be working for you and making all this money, I think I'm going to... Uh, I think I want to protect my interests. You know what, Gus? And Gus is going to be like, Mike, you're correct. And I'm going to give you more stuff to do. I don't know if I need more stuff, but you're really good. At, but you're really good at your job. Okay, I'll take some more stuff. What do you want me to do? Nothing dangerous, right? Pick up some deliveries and shit. So I think Gus is going to somewhat bring him back into, or bring him more into it. I think Mike is. What Mike's doing this season is being proactive when he doesn't need to be, and. Gus doesn't just sit by and not reward that. And he's going to reward that eventually. When Lydia is pitching uh, to Gus about what Mike is doing, Gus, I think, is thinking, oh, I knew I saw something in that guy. And it's going to be cool to see as they get closer and closer. Bum, 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 bum. And that situation all kinds of sucks. Bum, 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 bum. So let's go. Let's go more. So, speaking of 70s porn music, of what did Joe think? <laughs> so, uh, 
he gets the flyer, orders the pizza. This dude's hungry. I want to hear more about what this guy. Oh no, we know what he got. He got he got all the fu- he got the large cheese p- pizza and he got the cheesy sticks with the uh, the ranch dipping sauce and the marinara dipping sauce. He's he's set for the night. He's making me hungry. I hope it's delicious. And he definitely wants the pizza cut. To any places, maybe I'm in the wrong part of the country to make assessments of this. Do any pizza places ever deliver pizza not cut? Does anyone ever that ever happen to anybody? I mean, except for by accident. Is that something you have to tell somebody? Maybe it's a Albuquerque thing. I don't know. So Jimmy's in bed waiting and the dude calls and we have a little conversation, a little business between Jimmy and not Mike. Listen, listen, listen. Look, the office guy, he's here. What? He's dug in for the night, man. Come get me or, or come get me. Oh, Lindsay, I'm the same way. My goal, the goal in life is uh, to collect free checks. You know, if they just want to deliver a check, if, if, if someone like really hated my podcast, they, they hated what I did, like hated it. And we're like, I'm rich. Like I'm, I'm super rich and I hate what you do so much. I want to pay you not to do it. I mean, I'd still do a show. I just wouldn't broadcast it to anybody. I'd talk to myself. I'd go back to what I used to do before I, before I talked to you guys. But I collect those checks. That's a bad example, but you know, I, I'd be collecting those checks and uh, playing with my GI Joes and shit. And then a big bad shark came and said, "Fuck the GI Joe." Number two, Eddie Murphy reference of the, of the hour. I thought the cut thing was weird too. Yeah, it was a little weird. I like to I'd like to stay at home and get a check. But yeah, that that's a little thing right there. It was, it was a little uh, sort of whatever moment and the vacuum and the wife getting a vacuum was a little a little cheesy of a writer's choice they could have come up with a slightly better gift that would have been even funnier but they wanted to keep it more real so i get that i mean i'm sure in the writer's room all the things on the board were some ridiculous things like why is he in a fight with his wife let's think about this and so they ultimately decided to uh, someone probably walked by with a vacuum cleaner and they said oh let's make him a vacuum cleaner she gets pissed off because it's a vacuum cleaner so, uh, so a good choice in DJ who's saying, yeah, that's not a gift you want to get somebody, uh, especially if it's like a birthday or anniversary or, or a uh, Valentine's Day gift of some sort. So, so if it's just buying a, buying a vacuum for the house, that's one thing. But doing that, you know, so I don't want to go too far down that rabbit fucking hole. Wait, what? I thought you had to request the pizza not to be cut. I got calls from customers to not cut pizza back when I worked at Pizza Hut. Whoa. You used to do this show for an audience of one. Did anyone else hear that? Oh, I used to do this show. I've been doing a version of this show since there was a Fisher-Price tape recorder, and I would talk to myself. I think was the first show I used to do. It would be like, hey, hi, everybody. This is Fel. I'm doing my show. And uh, what's going on, G.I. Joe? I'm a real American hero. What do you got to say, Ninja Turtle? Hey, dude, this is Michelangelo. Michelangelo's totally having fun, dude. Hey, Phil, what do you got to say about that? I don't know what you got to say about that. Hey, everybody. This, everybody, this is the Phil Show. Talk to you next time. Later. (laughs) Yep. Unfortunately, those tapes don't exist. It would be funny if they did. But... (laughs) They don't. And I used to also have this Fisher-Price uh, video camera called the PXL2000. I've actually talked I've talked about it a little bit with Tony because I think Tony had one too. And, uh, and I used to make like little mini clips and videos and clip shows and shit like that. And then when I used to do my radio show for a while, I don't know if many people were listening or – and when I first did my podcast before I started talking about television, I'm pretty sure – 
usually there you know i'd have like 30 40 listeners or something like that which isn't bad you know if i i i'd be happy again if i had two listeners so hi guys but yeah i used to do i used to i i i still do uh, every day i don't do this show i'm doing the show by myself <laughs> most people don't want you don't want to deal with me in normal life i just wish i could be here you know i'm talking babbling 24 not 24 so you guys would lose your fucking minds you click shut this shit off anyways let's finish this sh finish this episode so we come back in and he's downing a whole pizza with sticks pretty fucking impressive and uh first guy that came with the program and we're gonna You'll learn a little bit we're gonna learn a little bit about solitaire here i call the time management matrix the keywords to understand are importance and urgency Importance basically comes from within you. Importance is your value system, hopefully based on principles. Importance is your mission. Importance your central strategy versus to accomplish those high priority goals and urgency. plan to implement that strategy. Urgency comes from the environment. It presses upon you. It's proximate, it's right in front of you. And it's often very popular. It could be deep and So this is where Jimmy starts to try to set up the situation to try to help get his dude out of the out of Dodge City here. First plan doesn't work. He just shuts off the alarm from the door and locks it back and goes back to pizza time. Jimmy's there. He's like, fuck you. I need to get more Trixie here. And false. So he goes and gets a coat hanger and he tries to uh, open the door of the car. I love how they don't make it simple like you see in many television shows where it's really easy to break into a car like this. It's possible to do this. I've definitely seen people do this, but it's not super simple. I mean, unless you're a AAA guy and you just go and you're like, flick. Isn't that the weirdest thing? Like if you call AAA or some sort of car service, if you lock your keys in your car, and I don't know if anyone else has ever locked their keys in the car. I sure have. I think three times in my life I've, I've locked them in the car a couple of times in really inopportune situations and one time at a bar i was in a bar i had just showed up at the bar and i locked the keys in the car so i was like hanging out at the bar while i was waiting for the triple a guy to come and unlock my car and that dude that dude was such a prick he shows up he's like he tried to be the fawns he like banged on the roof of my car he's like hey and walked off i mean that's kind of cool but he's sort of a prick about it he's like yeah hey where's my tip oh I just made a more Andrew Dice Clay than the Fonz, but I think you get the picture. But it's always amazing to me how easy it is for those guys breaking your car. But anyways, it's uh, it, they, they have him struggle a little bit with it, but he eventually gets in the car. And uh, this time he, he somehow sets the car in drive for a second, maybe put a rock on it, rock on the, uh, the, the gas or something, but we don't actually see any. It drives through, or maybe he was driving it and then jumped out. Not sure exactly what happened. So the car goes off and the alarm goes off again and the dude heads out. This time he's pissed. Saul got in the car or he or he got the car to go go fast. And the other dude, the bearded guy, escapes and Jimmy's out too. And they all go they both run and they meet each other and have a meeting. And this could be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. So did you get it? Shit and gold. Yeah, yeah, right? I didn't say it was easy. Carthy was pretty slick. I don't know how you pulled that off. Worked though, didn't it? Yeah, I guess so. 
The music symbolizes that this isn't going to be the only time we see this bearded gentleman. I think Jimmy pushed in a neutral, uh, put in a neutral and pushed it. DJ says, my brothers and sisters would make commercial videos. I used to make them uh, with my cousin Craig, who I mentioned this before, but Craig and I are working on a new musical project called Sarcasmo. And we're going to be doing a live performance. <laughs> Our first ever live performance is going to be to you guys because, because uh, we want to we want to we want to do it there before we go in front of a real not like you guys aren't a real live audience, but in the safety of our own surroundings. So we're gonna mic up this room and set up the scene, and we're gonna play you guys a couple of songs at some point, uh, probably in the next two or three weeks. Uh, one evening, we'll just pop on live and uh, play you a couple of tunes. It's a two piece where we're both playing drums and he plays guitar and I sing and blah, 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 blah. So you guys will have to deal with that nonsense coming up soon. A little bit more music, music happening on the channel. So feel free to avoid those videos if you don't want to, <laughs> if, you, if you don't want to, if you don't want to check that shit out. But, uh, but they, but uh, yeah, look for that in the future. Okay. So uh, Jimmy and him talk and it could be a new beautiful friendship. So Gus gets a call from Busa, Bulsa, about the about the excuse me the nacho situation. We're hit. Yesterday on the way back from their pickup. Do we know who? Not yet. Vargas survived barely, but he couldn't see faces. Someone knows our business. Possibly. It resembled the attack on Hector Struck a few months ago, and they knew the Salamanca men were heavy. Done one. We are about to run another shipment. Yes, DJ, sarcasmo, but we may spell it with a Z. We're not sure. <laughs> We're compromised. Run dummy loads. We'll see what we see. No product crosses until we're certain. I'll take care of it. How long before our dealers run dry? No more than a week. This is a problem. Find a local supplier on your side of the border. Cut a deal. Don Juan, with all due respect, Don Eladio for Don Juan DeMarco. Buying from outsiders. It's been very clear. Let me worry about Eladio. Do it now. So this ultimately sets up this this sets up the whole situation that we get Gale, where Gus has checking out some of the competition and what the meth in the area is so he can give to his clients. Uh, so Gale is not far enough down the line to the point where Gus wants to use him to cook meth, as we'll hear in the scene where he says not yet. But he is at the point where he's using him to sort of verify qualities and he is funding him and allowing him to do all this. He, he's his little pet, you know, his pet project and he's really helping him and he sees him as a end goal down the line when he can break away from all of this after his uh, and basically have a supplier of high quality stuff on this side of the border. That's all his to make him the boss, ultimately his own boss. So, but this is more of a end game, which is really cool that we get to see this because we know it from Breaking Bad, and this is where we get into much more informing and adding. And if I couldn't think that Breaking Bad could get better, all of this makes it better because we get to see more of this relationship, and it makes the what Walt did 
even stronger of a slight against Gus and means even more when Gus starts explaining everything that Gale meant to him. So, uh, so excellently done, really important and really, and really actively adding to the, to the lore and the mystique of Breaking Bad and not taking away from it at all, literally just adding more foundation to rationalizing emotions that were dictated between Walt and Gus after the fact. So really cool shit and really cool shit and awesome that they did it. So I want to listen to all this fucking shit. Um, and iodine and thorium and thulium and thallium. There's yttrium, ytterbium, actinium, rubidium, boron, gadolinium, niobium, iridium, vestrontium, and silicon, and silver, and samarium, and bismuth, bromine, lithium, beryllium, and barium. If I was a scientist, I'd probably be Gale. Oh! <laughs> uh, Mr. Friend, I wasn't expecting you. That's not a problem, I hope. No, not at all. I was tinkering with something. What's that? Oh, it's, uh, technical. I wouldn't want to bore you. Oh, you wouldn't. Okay. You know when you put salt in... Treat me like a fool. Treat me even cool. Water, it dissolves. If you stir the water or heat it, you can add more salt than you could otherwise before it falls out of solution. I'm trying to create a solution like that, but with certain benzodiazepine precursor compounds. Oh, of course. Sure. It will be if I can get it to work. I totally know what you're talking about, dude. Totally. I'm smart. Oh, I tested your samples. They range from 39% to 58% pure, except this one, which hovers around 67 Top of the glass. In so this one, in this one here has chili powder in it. To it check sucks. his or her cookware, it's introducing contamination, which would be easy to avoid. Oh, thank you very much, Gail. That's very useful information. Well, I should let you get back to your work, Mr. Frank. Um, I don't want to cast aspersions, but I have to tell you, these samples aren't great. In fact, they're, um... Shit. They're, they're not even good. They're, they're like, totally, sh like, not good. They're, like, that's, that's like, your opinion, dude. <laughs> they're dreck. I could do much better. Gale. Much higher grade. I could make a kilo or more right here. No one would know. Yeah. It wouldn't take more than a few days. I wouldn't want to interfere with your studies. Fun line right here. studies. Please. It's the least I can do. I love what Gus says coming up right here. He's like, not yet. Oh. I'm certain that you wouldn't. But I'm afraid I can't allow it. Not yet. You were meant to. This is one of those things that that this actor's just so good at. He with and the way he plays this character of Gus, saying things in such a nice tone, and then one word in this serious way. He does it a lot with Brian Cranston when they meet and they talk a couple times. I'll see you later. Oh yeah, and I'll see you ever. He plays, he shifts, he shifts those tactics so well. It's so subtle. It's really awesome. I love it. 
I, I wish I could be that like passive aggressive in my conversational approach. It makes it would make me feel good. Better things. I'll see you soon, Cam. Bye, Mr. Frank. And then he goes back to singing and sciencing. There's holmium and helium and hafnium and erbium and phosphorus and francium and fluorine and terbium so then we go to Kim and the paralegal. Kim is being a good boss. And let's let's read this because I kind of forget what happens in the scene. I, I, I forget what, what happens here. Oh, I was worried about the wording there. Hmm. Oh, they're just writing up the statement. And Kim talks a little bit about why don't you just start to think a little bit about big growth? <laughs> why don't you think about Jimmy's big growth? No, it's great. Oh. Really, really hey, Al Red Sox fan. Great to see the wonderful Al Red Sox fan in the live chat. So Kim and Jimmy comes in the house and says, oh, it's a law office. Hey, what's going on? Uh, sorry, you want some coffee? Yeah, I'm out of here. So then we get Jimmy in, Kim wanting to talk to Jimmy in this whole lead up here, which leads to the end of our episode, which seems like it shouldn't be the end of our episode yet, but it is the end of our episode. And that's not to say not a lot happened. A lot did happen, but the show keeps you wanting more and it's fucking great. She, she's thinking Jimmy doesn't want to hear it, but Jimmy is like, yeah, whatever. Let's get it over with. Rip the bandaid off. So let's listen to this and then talk about it. It's undated. Oh, I mean, I could play the rest of it, but ultimately she says you get $5,000 and gives him $5,000. He signs the paper, smiles, rolls his eyes, but then it gets down to Chuck's letter. And uh, she's like, Chuck wrote you a letter. And she's like, I can leave you alone and read it if you want. And Jimmy's like, no, you want to hear this, right? You're morbidly curious. You want to hear all this crap? Let's do it. So they get into it and Jimmy reads the letter. So let's hear the letter. And wonderfully well-acted scene, well put together. Kim, this is one of my favorite Kim moments in these last two episodes. Kim is becoming a really highlight character this season. I know with Michael McKeon gone, a lot of people need to pick up some of the attention and pick up some of the interesting energy going on because Chuck was so much a big... Chuck and Michael McKeon were so much of a big anchor for the first three seasons of this show. Almost a defining element of it is Chuck and Michael McKeon's amazing performance. That all these other actors and all this other stuff that they're introducing... They need to up the stakes. They need to make things feel a little different. And with Kim, they're really digging into her a little bit more this season in these first three episodes. And I like it. I love what they're doing with Kim. I said I like it, but no, I love it. I like what they're... <laughs> Which is it, Phil? Do you like or you love it? I like love it a lot. Cool Breeze. This would have been a good opportunity to bring Patrick Kuby back in. It might be too... Yeah. And uh, I agree. A couple people have said that. They need to bring Bill Burr back. They do. They do. They, they brought the other dude back. They need to bring Bill Burr back. And you know he'd do it. I don't think it's, I don't think it's a problem with, uh, with Bill Burr like being like, oh, well, I do that. But yeah, Cuddy was great. He, he added so much in just his small dynamic on Breaking Bad. But he had some amazing moments in his few appearances. So let's finish this shit off and let's listen to Jimmy talk about chuck as i eat one more sandwich and we have one more scene so here we go our last scene of the episode let's get into it okay here it goes <clears throat> dear jimmy 
I have left many things on. I do have a bit of a Kim crush. I can't lie. I'm crushing a little bit on Kim. I was, uh, uh, I'm, I'm digging on it. In our relationship through the years, rather than all allow, allow these unspoken thoughts to die with me, I've chosen to record them here for you. I hope you will take my words in the spirit in which they are intended. I agree, iconic thought. I wouldn't be surprised if this is Kim's last season and Kim isn't so much a part of next season. I think Kim might end up in Nebraska by the end of the season. Or traveling for Mesa Verde and just not a part of Jimmy's universe. And I think next season might be all Gus, Mike, Saul... And even that might start to wrap up. And I think a lot of next season, in my mind, and I it might not be this, but again, I keep saying this, I think season five will have a lot more to do with Gene than Jimmy. I think we'll see that conversion and then they're going to deal with what happens to Jimmy at the end. I think that's really important to them. And I think that's where we get into something new. And I think the conclusion of this series ends in Gene. It doesn't end in Jimmy becoming Saul. I think that is included in the end, like Saul opening up the business, setting up all that crap. But I think the real conclusion of the series is what happens to Gene, what happens to Saul in the black and white timeline, the post-Breaking Bad timeline. The fact that we don't even know how long that's been. That's something else that they were saying in the Breaking Bad or the Better Call Saul Insiders podcast. We don't know how long it's been that Gene's been out there. We don't know if Walter's even been caught yet and how much, like, that time is vague of how much time, you know, Jesse was being held captive to when Saul escaped, to when Walter came back. I mean, we know it's been, it was a year, but it's it's just interesting. We don't know in the Jimmy timeline is that, has Walter been busted yet? What's going to happen with the feds once they get Walter? Are they going to be upset that he's dead? So they're going to try to go to all his co-conspirators? Where's Jesse? Will we see Jesse in that timeline? Is that possible? Probably not. Wouldn't make a lot of sense. That would be hella, hella, well, I'm going to sound like I'm from the West Coast now. That would be hella convenient to just have them. See, every word has a purpose. And that, po- and that place right there saying hella instead of wicked made more sense. It would be hella convenient for them to, to have him Saul bump into Jesse somehow in the future timeline. But I wouldn't mind cutting over to Jesse in that timeline to see what his sto- how his story concludes too. There's no, there's no reason we couldn't do that in that timeline. So I think next season to me ends up a lot of that shit. So I wouldn't be surprised to bring it back to what where this stemmed off from. I wouldn't be surprised if the Kim's storyline essentially ends this season and she doesn't really carry through till next season in the similar way that Chuck ended the last season. All the parts that connect Jimmy to Jimmy are going to be gone. I remember quite clearly the day you came home from the hospital. You can't imagine the joy on mom's face. I can honestly say I never saw her happier than she was on that day. Lindsay says, Kim has really grown on me this season. I've really cared for her character until now, probably because her story didn't interest me in previous seasons. Lindsay, I'm pretty much the same. I think I like Kim maybe a little bit more than some, but this season, these three episodes alone, her character, her her personality has just meant so much more to me and been just, I think, so much better. Holy shit. 
Al, Red Sox fan. The Super Chat donations mean more than you know. It helps me be able to keep doing this or all of our patrons that help support us on a month-to-month basis or our PayPal donations or any of the ways you can help the channel grow. Al, Red Sox fan, you have been one of our longtime supporters. I cannot say give you enough thanks for all the awesome donations, Super Chats, and positive energy. So, Al, Red Sox fan, in the best way, in the Boston way, go fuck yourself, you motherfucker. Love you, buddy. Time to spin the wheel for our Red Sox fan twice for that $20 Super Chat donation. That's some big bucks for me, man. That's fucking going to feed me for two weeks, man. And that says, what's it landed on? It landed on some drum fun. So our Red Sox fan gets some drum fun. It's quiet. I got to be a little quiet, but let me let me bring my drums over to me. Come to me, drum. Come to me. Let me turn up the volume a little bit and give our Red Sox fan some drums. Sorry for the quiet drum solo. Shh. It was the it's midnight drum solo. <laughs> Gotta be a little quiet. Just a little bit of drum fun. Just a qu- just a quiet little drum solo. So <laughs> sorry if it was too quiet. I never know. I never know. And you get a second spin of the wheel, buddy. One more. Dang Phil, what's in that cup? I might need some of that. Oh yeah, you do. It's called uh, Henny Pin Amagang. I was actively trying to nah, land on spin again. I do want that sandwich more than the, more than the drink. <laughs> That's always the case. Shh, midnight drums. And you landed on spin again. Al Red Sox spin. One more spin. One more fucking spin. Let's do that. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, and let's play the scene. A shine to her life that nothing else ever did, and I'm glad of that. New paragraph. We have not always seen eye to eye. I expect that will continue to be so in the future. However, nothing will ever change the fact that we are brothers, flesh and blood. And though we are very different people, I want you to know how much I respect what you have made of yourself in these last few years. You have taken the opportunity I gave you in the mailroom, and you have run with it, becoming a valued member of the HHM family for all the problems in your past. I'm proud we share that. <laughs> and yes, Cool Breeze. The, the worst time of my show is the beginning of the show. <laughs> I feel a lot better an hour and a half in than I do at the start. At the start, I'm like too nervous and pent up. I'm like, hi, uh, it's, it's the show. <laughs> I finally now feel like I can talk. <laughs> like I can actually pronounce words and organize thoughts. <laughs> the beginning of the show, I was like... <laughs> Some could view every podcast on the slow process of me going insane by the end of the show. And I, I try to I try to live up to that every week, you know. I, I try, I try, I try. 
and you've been listening a long time, Cool Breeze. You're you're one of the you're one of our first listeners, buddy. I mean, if not our very first, you you date back to the Breaking Bad days of, with me and Gotti. So uh, so it's it's great it's great that great to still have you here. It, it means so fucking much, man. Name McGill. I sincerely admire your energy and resilience. I used to worry about you finding a place in the world, but I'm not worried about that anymore. I'm certain now that no matter what the future may bring, you'll land on your feet, and I hope when you read this, you remember me not only as your brother, but as a person you knew was always in your corner. He signed it, just Chuck. Well, say what you want. A man could write a letter. Sorry. Hey. No, I, did, I didn't mean to make it noise. Al, you landed on spin again twice, and then it landed on drum fun again. So I guess I have to play another drum pun for you for your second part of your Super Chat donation. I'll do it at the end of the show. Hey, it's okay. It's a nice letter. Hey. No, just... Just give me... Just give me a minute. So that Kim... Kim has an emotional moment where it all comes crashing down on her. And she starts to feel everything coming together. And she starts feeling that G Jimmy's coldness makes it even more emotional for her. She has to feel probably a little guilty, as some people have pointed out, for what she said to Howard in la the last episode and her opinions on Chuck and sort of having a little bit of that, you know, they're dead, I, have to, I feel bad now kind of feeling, which is normal and happens that you start questioning, I'm angry at all these things. If someone does some fucked up shit to either someone you care about or to you and you don't really have time to deal with that fucked up shit with that person. And then that person dies maybe in a horrible way or suffers some sort of big trauma in their life and, and gets fucked up. Do you still have a not do you, of course you have a fucking right, but how do you deal with that anger? How do you do that? Because you can never deal with, you can never connect with that person and squash it or deal with the ways they fucked you over or understand it or anything like that. You just, they're gone now. And you're like, fuck, I didn't really understand it. I think it's a little bit of that. It's a, But I think mostly in this moment, it's Jimmy's coldness and cavalier attitude reading this triggers her feeling that there is no future between the two of them. It's that panic moment that I can't really be with this person long term because they're fucked up and their emotional fucked upness is going to bring me down too. And I need to choose my career. What, what am I doing here? And I think it was a panic moment in a lot of stuff. I mean, you can analyze it in a lot of different ways. I think Kim, the actress is just adding a lot of new, different layers to her character post that car accident. I think, I think that car accident is the best thing that happened to her character. And I think it's triggered a lot of more subtleties in who she is. And I think that always existed, but so much of what we've seen of Kim so far is her pushing that away and focusing on, you know, having to be an individual, having to worry about her career first and everything else later. And all of that, her separating that, moving that along and now dealing with wanting to connect with Jimmy, kind of thinking about a different life and slowing down, going to Blockbuster, getting some videos, relaxing, whatever. All of that getting fucked up because what happened to Chuck and seeing Jimmy shut off and not being emo being emotionally unavailable, as, uh, as a couple people were saying earlier, uh, as a good way of saying that. Thank you. And yeah, and now she's dealing with, am I making the right decision? And 
am I a horrible person because I helped fuck over Chuck who was really just trying like all of us. I don't know. It's a lot of shit and I'm sure we're going to get into it, but I think Kim was a good wild card in this episode of I'm not I'm not 100% sure I understand all of Kim's motivations and where she's coming from. It's not because the actress didn't put all of herself into it and make decisions that made sense. It's just that the show has some ambiguity to it and figuring out who and what Kim's going to go through this season hasn't quite been disclosed. And I think I'm very... I'm just as excited to see, which I couldn't say this at any point in time in the show's history, but I'll say that I'm just as excited to see what happens with Kim as I am with every other storyline right now. So Kim wanders, runs off emotionally, and she closes the door to cry and closes the door on Jimmy, and Jimmy's just trying to manifest real human emotions here, and a little bit of Jimmy's coming back here. Kim... Pick what you want. That's fun. Fine. Fun. Time for me to. Whoa. Oh shit! <laughs> what makes it a tragic situation that Chuck killed himself? No doubt, someone's suicide is a real gut punch because there'll always be. It's my fault. I pushed him over the edge. She's greedy, bothered by her role in Chuck's. She's greatly bothered by her role in Chuck's decline. DJ, have a good night. Good to see you, DJ. I am finishing things off very soon as well. Uh, that is the end of our episode as Jimmy just sits there shocked as Kim goes and closes the door in him. And that's the end of our episode. Ends it on a point where you don't really want the episode to end, but it ends anyway. And it's like, ah, fuck, don't end right there, you asshole. That sucks. But the episode does end, and that's our episode of Better Call Saul. I thought a really great episode. As with, if I'm doing a rankings of the episodes right now, one through three, I would say they're going right in order for me. I like this episode a little bit more than the last episode, and I like the last episode a little bit more than the first episode, and that's how the season should go. I like the excitement. I like the energy of this, and you know what I like even more than all of that? I like voicemails, and I got one for you from Big J. Hey, Big um, I'm just uh, I'm just watching your recap right now. I got it a little late. I apologize for that, but um, <clears throat> hey, Phil, uh, with the show tonight, I enjoyed it, but um, I feel like this is the first time in in four seasons of Better Call Saul that I'm starting to get a little confused. And you know, I binge watched all the Breaking Bad, so I don't remember it. It's clearly some other people doing it. I didn't miss an episode, but it's been a while. But um, I think they're making a lot of connections now, and uh, I'm gonna watch you. I'm gonna watch you recap because I'm totally confused. No, Big J, and I hear you. This is the first episode that we're starting to bring back what we always said we love so much about Better Call Saul, which is the realness of the situations and the relationship stuff. That's becoming even less a factor. And got concluded with the Chuck situation. It still deals with Kim, but now we're getting into that bigger universe, pulp, interesting, weird dynamic shit of the Breaking Bad stuff. And I don't blame you for being a little confused. I was confused a couple of times this episode too. Um, I know that uh, I know the chemistry was the guy from Breaking Bad, but uh, 
went down um Don Juan said to uh Gus um you gotta find the supplier on your side of the border. Was he talking about Walter White? No, he wasn't talking about Walter White in that moment. Walter doesn't exist yet as a act of force, but it is basically setting up why Gus eventually sets up his own dynamic. So it's more of like a call to how the scene is set for someone like Walter to take over later. So it's saying that everyone else is shit. So when Walter comes in and starts putting in his good shit, it's why the whole scene gets fucked up. Because in all of Albuquerque, other than Gus's stuff, you got no better than 60%, where ultimately Walter's is, what, like 90%, 98% or something? Um, I thought it was weird the way it ended with Kim crying. And that was just it. Like, I don't know why she was so upset. And uh, just a lot of connections now, with, like I said, with the, uh, with the cameras. Uh, yeah, and with the Kim stuff, exact, I mean, it's, it's very left out in the open why she was crying. And I think that we're going to find out a lot more by the season's end. And these emotional moments that she's having will make more sense to us later when we know more what Kim's thinking. So I agree with you. Like at first I'm like, what the fuck? You know, and then I think it had a lot to do with her feeling guilty and her realizing that Jimmy's such a cold hearted bastard or can be. And if he can do this about his brother, she, he could easily cross that line with her too. You know, if you saw someone you care about a lot, reading a letter so cold off and, you know, eating food and smiling and making jokes in that sort of moment and not even seeming like they're deflecting, but just seeming like they're completely oblivious to those emotions. For me anyways, how I interpret it is more of her being so sad that she loves this person so much and it's not going to work because she can't deal with a human being this detached. At least that's my perspective. And did you touch on the location of Nacho's gunshot wound? Same location as Walter's in Felina. I did not, Jeffrey, but I'm glad you brought that up. Awesome fucking point. Uh, sorry to late to the party, but Kim found out something at the courthouse and made her cry. She's pregnant, maybe. Oh, Melanie, that's another uh, interesting point right there. Maybe she found out something at the courthouse. Perhaps she's pregnant, as Melanie said. But let's play the rest of Big J's message. Obviously, he's got something you're actually talking about it now. All right, I'm going to listen to the rest of your recap, but um, I'm just on the first time in a long time. I know we break it bad, but of course, all connections are coming in strong now. Just a little confusing, but uh, I'll keep watching the recap, see what you guys got to say. All right, buddy. See you soon. Bye. Lots of love to Big J. And Big J also left me another message suggesting a show. I almost want to play it right now because it's a really funny fucking message. But uh, talking about talking about Joe Dirty, because he's a dirty motherfucker. And yes, you were right, Big J. Joe is a dirty motherfucker. And I do not watch that show that you mentioned because I don't have Hulu right now. But I hope to get it one day and I will catch up on that show. But thank you for the suggestion. And always, if anyone has suggestions, I might not always watch them right away. But I always do appreciate suggestions of good shows. Someone mentioned Preacher as well. I have not watched that yet. Uh, a lot of shows 
I am looking forward to binging later dates. And when I watch stuff, I'll always try to do a review of it. So it may happen fucking five years from now, 10 years from now. As long as I'm alive, I'm going to be talking to you motherfuckers about television. So in one way, shape or form. So we'll figure we'll figure it out. And I'll always talk about shit. So Big J, I'll eventually catch up with that show. Just remind me of it later on. And when I get Hulu eventually, and I will check that out. And uh, Preacher as well is definitely on the list of shows I want to check out at some point. So let's finish this off. Let's see if we have any more questions or comments. We have a text message that says, Phil, awesome to have you back. Podcast more, asshole. (laughs) Thank you, area code 801. I will podcast more asshole. Right now, uh, this summer has been a little hectic for me and a little crazy, so I'm trying to get used to my new normal right now. So uh, once I kind of learn to surf this fucking turd, I will definitely be figuring things out a little bit more and get back to business. And when the fall happens and we're back into TV shows all over the place, we're obviously going to be talking about Vikings and better and, uh, Walking Dead coming up and Game of Thrones is got to be coming eventually and i know i haven't been talking about game of thrones and i want to but it's like one of those things that uh that because it's still far off you know you know me i I like doing analyzation and talking about shows and actions that happen there's only so much prep and and pre-discussion i can do before it makes my head explode so but we are going to get back to more game of thrones stuff very soon as soon as especially as we start to get stuff coming out especially when we got our first images and i know filming's been finished at this point and they're working on putting it together we start to get those first images and we start to get those trailers and a date and all of that we'll get into it but it's hard i'm avoiding spoilers and it's tough in the leaks it's tough to talk about that right now without talking leaks and i will be talking to some other people on a uh, on a podcast and still bringing in some uh, the character stuff. So some Game of Thrones stuff is coming very soon. Uh, so Because I know a couple of people have been asking about that. We're, we'll, we will be doing some Game of Thrones stuff uh, very soon. And Sopranos with me and Matt will be coming this week or this week or next week. And tomorrow night, I'm going to be recording or doing a special live thing for the patrons and do a review and a little live stream of a live theater show. Uh, uh, that's in Boston right now, and it's a uh, that uh, that I can't wait. So, if you're one of our patrons, hopefully you'll check that out, and I will be doing that on my way home from the show tomorrow night. So, everybody, Melanie, thank you. I'm glad I found you. I'm glad you found me. I'm glad you're part of the podcast. I'm glad everyone's part of the podcast. Jeffrey, did you touch the location of Nacho's Gun? Yes, I did. Did because you said that I'm going to eat a marijuana sandwich and wash it down with some Gale's Xanax drink right now or whatever Phil's been drinking because he's feeling good and for some reason I cracked another one even though the podcast is over. I almost want to finish the Better Call Saul podcast and then get into Uncle Phil's Ketchup Couch because I am feeling kind of saucy at the moment. But <laughs> let's figure it out. Uh, <laughs> let's figure it out. But yes, tomorrow night. Uh, what I want to fucking say? I'm going to see Book of Mormon tomorrow night, so I'll be doing a uh, quick, quick, immediate thoughts review on the ride home of my thoughts on the Book of Mormon uh, live show, 
written by Matt Stone and Trey Parker from South Park. I've heard a couple of the songs, but I have not seen it yet. This would be my first time seeing it, and I am excited. Stephanie and I are going, and we'll be doing a live stream for the patrons on the way home about that. Perhaps I'll make it live at some point for other folks as well, too, as a little preview thing. But it's been a while since I gave the patrons something special, so I'm going to be giving you guys that tomorrow night. Not that it's some, so big deal. It's like, oh, great, my thoughts on that. But I'm going to be probably pretty hyped up and a little drunk because I'm going to smuggle in some booze. And... <laughs> And hopefully it'll be a good show. I don't know much. I don't know much, but I know I love you. I ended up having to take down the live concert videos because I'm going to a bunch of concerts coming up. And I shot a concert video and I put it on the YouTube channel and I had to take it down because some shit happened with it. But uh, but I'll still try to live stream stuff like that when I'm at live places. And maybe I'll take it down right away and just be able to live stream it for you. We'll figure it out. Someday they may even invent digital weed. Synthahol, as long as it's not fucked up. Okay, so everybody, if you're here for Better Call Saul, thank you so much for joining me for the podcast. If you haven't already, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, share the channel with a friend, hang out, join the party. I'm a goofy bastard. Shows are are very rarely just about the shows. (laughs) Thank you, everybody. Okay, our Red Sox fan, I owe you one. I could do this all night. See, that wasn't so much of a drum solo as it was drum fun. And that's what I tried to put up there. That's why I'm not saying drum solo, because I can't play too loud and crazy and go... That was probably pushing it a little bit anyways. But sorry for the little chill. That made me want to chill out. That that made me want to just lay down and eat a sandwich, hang down by the fire. I want to hang out down by the fire. (laughs) So good night to all the live motherfucking chatters. I... And if anyone's here for Better Call Saul, bye-bye. <laughs> hey, everybody. This is the after show. Oh, I'm Phil the Issues Guy.
I have problems, and I don't want to go. <laughs> so I want to babble to you guys just a little bit more so I can finish my drink and not feel like I'm drinking alone. So congratulations if you've made it this far into the podcast. You're probably okay with my silliness. So you've gone far enough that you can proceed a little bit further down this choo-choo toilet of poop. So everybody, I have to welcome you one more time. It's time to welcome you back to the after show. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to be on for too long, but let's just, let, I just want to finish my drink. And I need you guys here to deal with this shit. What? What are you saying? We need to be cut off now? The show is over? I don't want the show to be over. <laughs> now, great spending time with all of you mo live motherfucking chatters. You guys are awesome. And you guys are great. So, uh, well, what's this? What's this? Uh, what do you think the conclusion again? <laughs> Someone just texted me. Well, what do you think the uh, end of Game of Thrones is going to be like? What do I think the end of the Game of Thrones is going to be like? You really want me to answer that question? Area code 347. You really want me to answer that question? What do I think the end of Game of Thrones is going to be? Do you mean the book series or do you mean the television show? Let's give this person a few seconds to catch up with that. I think they probably mean the TV show. Let's see. Uh, okay. I'm not. I'll just talk about the TV show. I don't, I don't have. A, I don't have a fucking shit clue what George's gonna do with uh, with all that shit. <laughs> and I don't want to try to analyze that. What do I? How do I think the show is gonna leave, Miss or Mister Three Four Seven? Mister, I think it's gonna be bittersweet, one way or another. I know that's a fucking horrible answer because it's so vague. And I'm going to be vague here because this isn't a specific podcast. This is me drunk after a Better Call Saul podcast answering ga random Game of Thrones questions. But if anyone else in the live chat that happens to be sticking around, any hanger-oners, please throw in any Q&As you have because let's keep the potty going for a few more minutes until I scratch my nose. <laughs> Use the microphone to hide it. What did it matter? Is it really, is it really a difference in me going like this? Or me going like this? I guess there is. As I look at it, I'm looking at the video of it. It does look better doing this. Doing this, there is some element. Even though I'm not in, I'm just out, there is some dynamic of picky, nosy, boogie thing going on there. TV show. Okay, you want to know the TV show. How do I think the TV show is going to end? Pain. Now, I... I'm not Miss Cleo. Oh, do I think the TV show is going to be I mean, I have my speculations. I have my thoughts. And I will get into that at a later point in time when I can finally organize it a little bit. But I think my ultimate feeling is I hope it's going to be something bittersweet. It's not going to be easy. It's hard for me to ever imagine that 
things are as simple as the White Walkers are the bad guys that need to be vanquished, end of story. I don't think it's going to be that simple. And I guess that's the only thing I can say right now as for specifics. Ask me like a couple of, ask me once the season starts and I figure out a little bit of how some shit's going on. Otherwise, I'm just going to be pulling shit out of my asshole. I don't know. John and Danny have a baby. The baby dies or she dies or Danny dies or John dies or they dance by the pale, dance by the devil with a pale moonlight and they have a, have another baby that turns out to be a dragon that half wolf that wargs into ghost and Bran at the same time and ends up having sex with the Night King's child to formulate a perfect union. You know, maybe that will happen. I know. I mean, I'm, I'm not being serious right now. I definitely have my speculations and my thoughts on how things are going to end, but I think it's a very wide open question and hard to kind of get into right now off the cuff. There's a lot of element. There's a a lot of like in outs and what have yous. I want to be surprised. I want to see shit that I'm not expecting to see. So, yeah, there's that. Hello, Money G. Is Better Call Saul better or worse than Breaking Bad? Judge to Breaking Bad Season 4, Episode 3 versus Better Call Saul Season 4, Episode 3. Hmm. That's a good question, Jay. I would say... My instinct is to say better is say uh, my instinct is to say Breaking Bad, especially Breaking Bad season four. I think Breaking Bad as a whole is a stronger show. I like Better Call Saul almost equally as much, and I think Better Call Saul has defined its own identity beyond Breaking Bad. I think it exists onto itself. Do I think? Better Call Saul is one of the greatest television shows of all time. Maybe produced-wise. Maybe the quality of the talent working on that show altogether, putting it together as a produced product is one of the best of all time just because it's so crisp, it's so tight. But Breaking Bad to me is a better show. The narrative is tighter. The storyline is a little bit more charismatically hypnotizing. And as much as I love Bob Odenkirk, and I think he does an incredible job, incredible job as Saul Goodman slash Jimmy McGill, award-worthy, you know, one of the best actors working every season that Better Call Saul's on on television. All credit to Bob Odenkirk. All credit to Mike, Jesse, and Walter. Better characters. They're more charismatic. They're more. They're. They don't get delved into with the same. Or, no, it's just a different show. But Jesse and Walt have something. Some odd couple magic shit going on. Aaron Paul and Brian Cranston. Elevate Breaking Bad on every level. And I think Better Call Saul is an exceptional show. This isn't demeaning Better Call Saul by saying this or demeaning Bob Odenkirk or Michael McKean's performances. I'm saying for my interest, there's some magic 
that is like next level television magic with Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul that you don't get too often in television. You, it's lightning in a bottle. What you got there all together with Breaking Bad, and sometime the album that makes the band famous. I like better than the album that comes out when the band's already famous in a little but still makes awesome music. There's something about them figuring out how they storytell with Breaking Bad that I loved. And I think season four in a lot of ways is the highlight point of Breaking Bad. I think those first four seasons, the lead up through that Gus arc is incredible. I also am a huge fan of season five, but I think it's a aftermath season comparatively to the other seasons which are all a lead up to that big fucking crazy point and then when we get into season five we eventually do get a second climax especially in in Ozymandias and then a reprise at the end with Walt busting Jesse out and the big you know all that sort of crap but I think ultimately Breaking Bad will always be a little bit better of a show for me personally I'm not saying People can't like Better Call Saul better or say it's a better show. But, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. Better Call Saul is probably one of my favorite shows on television right now. But if you put Better Call Saul up against Breaking Bad and you're putting like a gun to my head and saying, you have to choose one to exist in this world, it's going to be Breaking Bad. Better Call Saul would not exist if it wasn't for Breaking Bad. And it's and I love the universe, but yeah, that's my answer. It's my fucking answer. I know it's a cop-out, but both shows were equally great for different reasons. I agree when it really comes down to it. I feel like I just bashed Better Call Saul more than I wanted to, and I feel regret for it because I think it's one of the best shows produced ever with uh, the way everything fits into it. But I think... It's almost unfair because the same teams are working on the show and they're just better at their jobs than they were at early parts of Breaking Bad. They were just figuring it out, but I love that figuring it out. I love the album Rubber Soul and uh, fucking like Help and the White Album and stuff. As, Beatle, as they're figuring out sounds more than I necessarily like Sgt. Pepper's, even though Sgt. Pepper's an excellent album. It's like I like the I like the bands or the people figuring out their talent thing. I think Breaking Bad has an element of that. They become greater as they go and as they get better at this medium. And I think with Better Call Saul, you benefit from the team being so good at what they do <laughs> and making the greatest television show of all time. So they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to continue on with that. You know, we're going to have the same pedigree of the greatest television show of all time. And basically, just keep it up with – even with another group of awesome actors, but keeping the same emotional feel while having a different tactic, the way you tell story to- storytelling and being even more of a character study and like a slow moving character study of diving into, of deflecting emotions. And know, it's just, it's so much fun. Could Better Call Saul work as a sequel to Breaking Bad, pick up where Saul after Breaking Bad ended? I don't think it could work only alone as a sequel. I think the Gene stuff, the black and white shit that we get at the beginning of the, every season, 
works in that context, but I don't think there's enough to expand upon to have a whole series based on Saul in that timeline. I think they need to finish. There's only so much they can do with that. And I love the guilt that they've been playing and, or the, the pressure of him feeling like he can get busted at any time and that crazy attention that he's feeling. I don't think that's big enough for a series completely, but I like how they're flashing to it back and forth. Um, I think it's still interesting to me to think about Better Call Saul at one point in time had a chance to be a 30-minute situational comedy dealing with shit going on in Saul's office and the funny shit that happens. Or like a Arrested Development kind of comedy featuring Saul Goodman as the main star. The original pitch for this series that Peter Gould wanted to do was that. And then Vince Gilligan went aboard and they decided to turn it into this animal that it is. And I would love to... I love to kind of imagine sometimes what that show would have been. Do I think it would have been a great show? Probably not, but it would have been fun. <laughs> I wouldn't mind them playing with that idea eventually on Better Call Saul when Saul Goodman actually exists and he's putting together his law practice and we get sort of like a clip show of Saul being Saul in, in, in a situational comedy way. What's life like in the Saul Goodman office? And then they show three seconds of what a sitcom would be like in that context. But I'm so glad that Vince get on board and gave us the show we have now because I think it's treading on some unique ground does it have a chance to ever surpass Breaking Bad? For me, I might be biased, but I don't think so. But I think I'm biased. <laughs> because I love this show as much as I liked Breaking Bad. I really do. But I almost consider them one big show. And I know that's a cop-out. <laughs> you were talking about cop-outs before, Coolbreeze. I I almost want to judge them all as one. <laughs> and as one big show, Better Call Saul, Breaking Bad, <laughs> Better Call Saul has gotten good enough that it deserves to be talked about in the same breath as Breaking Bad. But I feel like saying, oh, Better Call Saul is equally as a good show also insults on some level the amazingness of the narrative of Breaking Bad. But it Better Call Saul enhances it. So fuck it. It's one show. Sit and spin, motherfuckers. It's one fucking show. And it's all awesome. <laughs>